0: Trick or treat, motherfucker.
1: The double feature podcast that celebrates all movies from the slimy to the ghoulish. As always, I'm Lindsay Wilkins. And this week, uh, we are going to be looking at, well, we're going live uh, with a double of Halloween Resurrections. I was always going to have to do a Halloween movie I didn't like at some point. And WNUF Halloween Special. And... My guest is a fantastic one. One, he has a penchant, and we'll put him through some of the even worse movies than Halloween uh, Resurrection, just for purely everyone else's entertainment, and also is actually a big lover of the found footage uh, genre in general. That is, of course, uh, co-host of the Super Master Network. It is uh, B. Jermine. Hey, how's it going?
2: I'm good, thanks, Lindsay. How are you?
1: Good. Sorry, I did call you a purveyor of um, of uh, weird, horrible movies, but you do you do have a... Uh, It's not a monthly column, but you will do live tweets and all from the live movie. Yeah, well,
2: I haven't (laughs) done that column in ages, and I feel really bad. It's just been I've been so caught up with so much stuff. I've been forgetting to do it. But I suppose, like, because one of my last few that I did, uh, because I did my 100th edition of Bad Movie Tweet of All, which was the column, I did it on The Room, and I kept sort of going back and forth whether I should make that the final edition of the column because, I mean, you can't get any bigger than... The room, but I have done a few since then. I think I did one on uh, the Italian horror film burial ground, which is just
1: that's insane. entertaining as all hell.
2: <laughs> it, oh, it is, it is. And also, the, one of the last ones I did was um, Diana the musical.
1: I did see you tweet that, and I was like, "Oh, be why are you doing that to yourself?" I mean, sometimes <laughs> you will pick a movie that I'm like, "Oh, that is bad, but is generally fun," which I think is you do it you are, have said before you're a huge fan of Troll 2 and then you will choose something like the Diana the Musical and I'm like why why would you just do that to yourself
2: well to be fair to be fair on my uh, on my end uh most of the time I put a poll out and I let people decide what my next pick is yeah. gonna be and that <laughs> was the one they chose for the column
1: why <laughs> why people <Exactly>. and <laughs> the
2: worst part is I had to watch that movie twice because I couldn't just like watch it going in blind I needed to watch it like in prep beforehand, or at least have an idea of what I'm getting into, and also try to come up with jokes for that club. Yeah. And I'm like, that was the longest week, <laughs> watching that movie twice in one week.
1: Oh my god! Though you and Marcy also do Tubi Tuesdays, which is usually mm-hmm. a commentary on a movie that you find in tu- on Tubi, which again the depths of depravity that you found on that oh yeah. on that oh yeah. uh, thing. So this is. I am saying this because the reason why I wanted to do Resurrections was because even though there are movies like Halloween 6 and, say, H2O, which do get bagged done, I am general fans of these movies. Mm. And when you love a franchise, you have to love the good and the bad. And so I decided to choose a Halloween movie that I am generally not a fan of, and Mm. that is Resurrections. Even though I think this movie is interesting and there's a lot to talk about, at the same time, it's going to be me going why did they do that to jamie lee curtis why did she ask to be killed off i mean <laughs> you don't trust the weinsteins with that shit why um but so i think this is going to be a really interesting discussion and i will try and keep by <laughs> try and keep instead of just bagging on it um but thank you so much for coming on for this double uh, i cannot wait to get especially into w i'm going to get that mixed up at some point
2: <laughs> oh yeah well i'm pretty much when you've got to reach out to me and say oh do you want to do episode on halloween resurrection i was like immediately um yes Um, (laughs) because that's the thing i'd like for me this is i mean we'll go into it further very soon but i mean it is definitely uh the worst entry in the halloween franchise despite what anyone says Mm. but there is things to talk about it's definitely one of those movies that is so wrong on every level but yet there are things that you can't help but talk about like how wrong it is (laughs)
1: Yes, um, no, that is absolutely true. And then WNUF is just a whole kind of takes that premise and it just stretches it in so much into kind of what's what's happening. Um, it is, it's yeah, this is going to be a real fascinating one. But before we get into it, you're about to—I don't think you've dropped your right first episode yet. Launch a new show, just you, um, Beat versus versus the Living Dead.
2: Indeed. Well, that uh, we haven't even re- I haven't even recorded the first episode yet, but I will be. Hopefully, it has already been recorded by the time this uh, episode of your show Mm. drops. Uh, Yes, so I'm doing a brand new solo podcast. Don't worry, I'm still doing all the shows with Marcy, just in case Mm. that people are wondering. Uh, This is going to be my own little solo show in which uh, I'm going to do a deep dive and discuss every remake, re-edit, homage, reimagining... Unofficial sequel and so much more of uh, George A. Marrero's 1968 horror classic, Night of the Living Dead. And not just in terms of films, but across all media mm. as well. And I, the thing is, like, I'm, I'm going to do an introduction episode before the official episode drops, where I go into a little why I'm doing this show, because I'm just kind of... A, a while back when the, I think it was a recent new version of the film came out. It was the, from last year, it was in a completely shot-for-shot animated version of mm. the film. And it had, like, a big all-star voice cast. It had, like, Catherine Isabel, Dulé Hill, Josh DeMel, Nancy Travis, and so many others um, attached to voice. And I was just so fascinated by that film. I'd, and after I watched it and realized, oh, this is not good at all, but it sent me kind of down the rabbit hole of all things Night of the Living Dead. Like, I knew a couple of little things over the years, like, you know, the 1990 remake or the 2006 re- 3D remake with Sid Haig. And then there was, like, an, a, an anim- another animated film from the mid-2010s. Two- mm. But those were the kind of the ones I knew. But then when I sort of deep-dived into the whole thing, I realised there were so many different versions of Night of Living Dead, whether it be remakes or re-edits or just, just unofficial, like, follow-ups, like, sequels and prequels to that film and i was just so fascinated and i thought to myself you know there is a podcast here um oh yeah <laughs> so i thought you know what i'm gonna do a little podcast that goes into all of them and i've already got my episode list already sorted out so i have and there is a ton and <laughs> and i but at the same time though i'm very excited to talk about these because i know it's just gonna be fascinating just seeing so many different variations of the one film that are out there
1: yeah because night of the living dead is a established classic It is considered a horror masterpiece it is influenced every single thing that came after it considering and also not the fact that it started its own genre but the fact that it's public domain means that people can play around mm. with it and it's so, it's going to be so fascinating because I can't wait to go on it, especially because I just chose one. I'm like, I have no idea what I'm getting into with this episode. It's so
0: <laughs> it's just me like
1: going, yeah, you're surprised I chose this one. I am too. No, it is, it, but it's going to be fascinating because I think the way you can play around with all kinds of media with this thing. Mm. And Night of the Living Dead started a franchise when it was just a guy just trying to make a movie. It wasn't, which was already a hard thing to do anyway, but to actually try and and then it just spawned this other kind of unwieldy thing and when yeah and when you're sort of saying it's the animated it's the it's the reshoots it's the overdubbing it's the overseas remakes it's and i was even trying to get you to do um episodes on movies that play it on in the background
2: well that was me now i would never even thought about that aspect (laughs) but now that when you told me that that was after three
1: wines (laughs)
2: yeah it was after three wines but then i was like you know what that would be actually an interesting kind of a little mini section of the podcast yeah because like,
1: it is yeah it's it's famously in a lot of movies
2: oh yeah like i even thought about this was like even a while ago i even thought about doing like a twitter account where it was yeah. like night of the living dead in this horror film and all that it would just be a collection like mm. a. but i think other people already did that out there on twitter mm. so i thought oh well people have already done it there's no point in doing it but maybe i might do it in podcast form i'm not sure but we shall see we shall see
1: <laughs> no the way that it's kind of um, i don't know i'm looking really looking forward to how you tackle the subject um Mm. it's going to be really 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 fascinating um and speaking of uh, well this is actually a perfect segue speaking of getting into a movie that's on the face of it may be trying to look at um how to reform halloween into a different format but it was just mm. ends up feeling more like a massive cash grab is of course halloween resurrection i cannot believe Rick Rosenthal directed this one Okay, curtains are opening. We're all going to be watching um, Halloween Resurrections. What is going to be your first trailer?
2: Well, for my first trailer for Halloween Resurrection, I had to really think back because, you know, Halloween Resurrection when it came out Mm. was around the time when reality TV shows were becoming a thing in our world at the time. And I think for my first trailer, I decided to go with another horror film that came out during that period that also dealt with reality TV show. As well, and that of course is the 2002 British horror film My Little Lie.
0: You know the number one cause of most stockings? Forgetfulness. People forget to close their curtains. Now I suddenly feel all on display. I hate this house. Take cover. Creepy ass house. Hello? Can anybody hear me? You guys don't have to worry. You're much more likely to be killed by somebody you know. There's someone upstairs.
2: First, no heat, then no food. You don't think this could be part of the game?
1: Uh, yes. I had never actually heard of this movie when you told me off mic, and I had to quickly look it up. The, this looks absolutely fascinating. It looks like it's riffing on did you ever watch mtv's real world back in the day
2: i've never i never saw an episode of real world but i always knew of it but i have seen like all the other shows that have happened like in its uh, like that came out afterwards because mm. pretty much every reality show these days is some kind of form in some kind of a, a unique form on uh, the the real world type of format um
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, because this was huge. This is one I watched as a teenager and it was always real world Seattle or real world New York or real world Ohio, I don't know. Um, And it was literally people living in a house. It wasn't like Big Brother when they got kicked out every week. They just stayed in there for six months with a camera crew following them around. And this is the premise of this movie, isn't it, Slightly?
2: Yeah, well, it's kind of a, because since Big Brother was sort of becoming a thing in the early 2000s, Mm. probably 2000, 2001 when that show came out, like at least when it started off in Europe and then spread everywhere else, Um, well, this show, uh, this film, My Little Eye, it kind of uses the Big Brother kind of format to tell a psychological horror story where it's about these six people who uh, are at this isolated mansion and there's cameras everywhere filming their every move and they have to stay in that mansion for six months for them to win $1 million. However, though, the downside is if one of them leaves, then no one wins the money.
1: Ah, so everyone has to stay in in the house.
2: Yeah, and that's just only the first half. Later on in the story, a very young Bradley Cooper rocks up, claiming to have been lost in the woods and so they invite him into the house and then from what i remember uh, a lot of creepy stuff tends to happen so i mean like i said i haven't seen this film probably since it came out so it has been 20 odd years (laughs) since i've seen the film but i do remember it quite well at least little bits and pieces of it but but at the same time though it's probably one of the horror films that I remember most from that period in the early 2000s. And I think, well, like, you know, Halloween Resurrections, uh, as I stated before, it's like it's one of the only... the. So I'll say that again. And like I was saying before, like Halloween Resurrection, this was like one of the earliest horror films that I can remember that used reality television as the main thrust of its story.
0: Uh,
1: yeah, and they were starting to come a little bit slower, but they were starting to be there. I mean, we've got our Resurrections thing coming up, and it's kind of what horror does really well when it's trying to sort of go, hey, the kids like this thing, let's do this. Um, It's like how during the pandemic, Host came out really quickly in 2020. It's like, okay, how do we make a movie with Zoom?
2: Yeah, exactly. And I, and I guess that's one of the things about horror is like whenever something is happening in our world, whether it be like the the, the dawn of reality television or the pandemic, like a lot of horror films tend to kind of uh, jump on that scenario and to capitalise it. Like some do it really well and some uh, unfortunately don't. But yeah, but I think for me, My Little Eye, which is completely forgotten about mm. by today's audiences, Um, Like I said, I haven't seen the film since, you know, when it was released, and I'm kind of curious to go back and rewatch it and to see how I feel about it, because I can't remember exactly what I thought about the film, but I have a feeling I was probably kind of more in the middle of it at the time, but I can imagine I would probably appreciate it more now that I'm, you know, 20 years later
1: yeah it's fascinating to go back to these kind of movies that are so reflecting on their time and so kind of I think we're going to get into entertainment <laughs> very very soon but it's doing that similar thing so this feels like it's i had never heard of it so i was just like looking like going so what is this movie um and i'm really looking forward to checking it out because and i will, would mind checking this out because i think it's just an interesting time capsule for 2002
2: <laughs> oh for sure for sure
1: yeah okay so for my first trailer i wanted to set a mood um mm. and kind of what both doubles are doing and so i am going to go for amityville the Possession from 1982
0: the night of february 5th 1976 george and kathleen lutz and their three children fled their home in amityville new york and never returned for them the horror was over their living nightmare shocked audiences around the world in the Amityville Horror. But before them, another family lived in this house and were caught by the original evil. The Lutzes escaped with their lives, but the previous owners weren't so lucky. Look it. Hours! Oh, Heavenly Father, Our new home and watch over us as we become a part of the the Montelli family. It was their dream house until it turned into a nightmare.
1: Uh, This is an insane movie. This is kind of like the origins of. Essentially, it's meant to be the prequel to the Amityville of 1979, um, I think it was. And of course, this is one of the most insane, bonkers, sweaty, gross, disgusting, sleazy movies you'll ever see. And uh, that's not including what Burt Young does in this movie. Uh, But that is going to be my first trailer.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen the movie in ages. I think at the time, when I was very young, when I saw this film, I think I hated it at the time because it was so insane compared to the first Amityville film. (laughs) But I have a feeling like knowing that my kind of sensibilities when it comes to kind of trashy horror films has kind of changed a lot since my my mid-teens. I probably will appreciate this film a lot more on a second watch.
1: Oh yeah, I think you absolutely will appreciate this more because this movie starts at 11 and then goes proceeds to go up there. I mean, there is this, this batshit crazy incest plot and... The siblings aren't even trying to get their hands off each other, which is the funniest thing, because it's kind of meant to be like, oh, no, it's the demons in the house that's doing it. No. (laughs) They were fucking each other way before this happened.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I do remember the incest subplot.
1: It's kind of hard to
0: forget.
2: (laughs) Well, that's the thing that kind of was burnt into my memory was Mm. that entire subplot. And I know there are other insane things that happened in that film, from what I remember, Mm. but that was kind of the one thing, like that really stood out because you don't really see that many horror films use incest as the main element of a story uh and this film does that in a lot of ways
1: it really does i mean it's trying to kind of look at the original crime that happened in the amityville house supposedly Mm. that led to the haunting of the actual amity house um which was more of a just a random it wasn't a random crime it was a familiar crime so i think they're really trying to take this a tiny aspect of the story and rumors that kind of because all, the, because of the supposed ghosts and everything like that, um, they tried, they ran it up into this insane movie. And of course, it's directed by Italian. I did have his name. I will uh, credit it <laughs> later on. But it is just yeah, it's a really fun three. You three a.m. if you're dozing and you're waking up and you're like going, oh my god, uh, domino domini. Is the director so yes they could only from the 1980s you could only get an Italian to make this movie
2: <laughs> and also like um being even though yeah, the family in that film and I guess one of the things that you know being that this is one of the things I always remember a lot about this film is that being that you know the family in the film are meant to be based on the DeFeo family the ones who were yes who were, uh, of, who were originally murdered, but even though they did change their names in this film. But at the same time, though, given everything that happens in this movie, from what I remember, you can't help but feel like there is definitely a very gross kind of exploitative vibe throughout the whole film.
1: There really is. And that's why I kind of think it settles as a kind of a tone creator for this double. Because uh, whether, I mean, both of the both of the tragedies in this movie are made up um to the point, none of them but they are kind of talking about how um people will exploit a good tragedy um mm. whether it for danger or for the news so no that yeah that is that is going to be my first trailer bead what is going to be your second trailer
2: all righty for my second trailer i get i'm going for a lesser known film but a more recent example of using reality TV shows as its kind of, um, I guess, aesthetic for its story. And that, of course, is the 2016 Australian horror film Scare Campaign.
0: Marcus
1: said, you know, the best pranks are the ones that go a little off script. He only says that because nothing ever goes to script.
2: Shit, he's here. OK, time to move, people. First positions.
0: Oh, yes, I'm on all the nooks and grannies. All the hiding spots, all the places you should never, ever go. Abs your own. No, I don't like this, Marcus.
2: <laughs> <gasps> Someone set us up. We're all fucking stooges
1: yes <laughs>
2: which is another little one that not that many people have seen but i think that everyone should definitely go try to check this film out if they can it's a very short film it's only about 75 minutes long uh but it does very well in its short writing time basically the entire um premise of the show is that there's this uh, group of filmmakers who do this tv show called scare Pan- sorry scare campaign which is basically a show where it's basically kind of a prank tv show to scare people and so they do this show and they decide to it, to do a bit of a scare the security guard at this uh building and but that's the thing all the contestants of course are un, have no idea that they're on a show and that all the scary things that are happening to them are all just fake but the thing is though when they go to do this like this whole scenario on this uh the security guard things go completely south very quickly and they don't realize that the, the security guard is absolutely deranged and sets about going to kill all of them
1: yeah this has got that real i've only seen it once and it was when it a little bit after it came out um so i need to go watch this again and i remember okay cool because i had a very different mindset on reality oh no on one reality that i saw stood and i like reality tv that much um, and also on found footage, but I do love the idea of these kids going, thinking this is going to be funny and then choosing the wrong guy. Yeah. It's it's, 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 that's kind of great in that respect. Um, but it's got this really kind of cool, um, Almost kind of like very Australian kind of reality TV feel. And yes, Australian reality TV is a lot like American reality or wherever you're from reality TV, except the British British Bake Off where everyone's nice to each other. But Australian reality TV likes to be mean, like really mean, like it goes out of its way to be nasty. And this kind of captures that kind of thing. I think this is when they finally took Big Brother on the air until they brought it goddamn back um, and a whole bunch of other things. So, yeah, it kind of captures that Australian reality TV nastiness. That
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. And... There's a lot more to the story, of course, but I, again, mm. we don't want to ruin what happens with the many twists and turns mm. of the film, but it actually has, like, when I look back on that film, like, it, it was direct, written and directed by the Kane brothers, who also did 100 uh, uh, Bloody Acres, mm. so this was their follow-up film to that, and this film has quite a big cast because it's got, like, um, Olivia de Jong, who recently played Priscilla Presley in Elvis, um, also Cassandra McGrath from Wolf Creek, uh, John mm-hmm. Brumpton from The Loved Ones, uh, Ziggurat Fortin is also in this film as well like it's got quite a number of well-known actors and even some from you know reality I mean not reality but um uh, soap operas like Mm. uh, Patrick Harvey and many others like it is just a really fun little movie like it does have a dark sense of humor throughout all of it and also a very high body count and a lot of really cool gore and it's just a just a fun movie but it like i said it's definitely one to kind of go in without knowing too much because there is a lot more to the plot than what we've already talked about so far
1: it really is i do need to watch this again because as i said i think i was still in my oh australian movies are too gory i don't like reality tv and i don't like fan footage so i think i need to go back and revisit this movie because you're right it does go into a lot of interesting places
2: Oh yeah for sure and it's just a lot of fun and i think um again it's probably one of the best movies in my opinion that kind of deal with reality tv show and its plot
0: yeah
1: yeah okay yeah that is a fantastic fantastic trailer going in okay my second trailer um actually i was gonna choose the original but i think now i'm thinking about it i'm gonna go for the um sequel Um, But that is Unfriended Dark Web from 2018.
2: Yo! Hey, buddy! How you doing? It is game night. Ow! Are you ready for this? I got a new laptop. (laughs)
0: Actually new!
2: There's a cyber cafe that I've been working at, and this computer was sitting in the lost and found for the last three or four weeks. Hang on. You stole someone's computer? (laughs) I didn't steal it.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. It's messed up.
2: And I found this folder. It was hidden. And it automatically connects you to this thing. Dude, this is dark web. What's dark web? Part of the internet where no one can track you. It's all about drugs, illegal IDs, even assassination for hire. Yeah, the dark net is mostly about the bad guys. And this computer's got videos on it, right? Check this out. I really think you should stop. Oh, God. the real. I think that is real. Guys, that's what they're trading. Trade what? All those videos. We have to do
1: something. We have to do it now. A movie I kind of like. Actually both like Unfriended, both the Unfriended movies. The original is more supernatural, but this is literally a group of people get together on Zoom to have a Zoom party, which is so much more normal now than it ever was back in
0: 2018.
1: (laughs) Um, And Things start happening from there. Someone's bought a new laptop, and I don't want to go more into it again because there's some really cool – it's kind of obvious where it goes, but at the same time, you're enjoying it because I think they actually do the scares really well and considering it's all on a laptop. Um, I watched this on my TV, which is probably not the best way to watch it, but I had a really good time thinking I was going to kind of hate watch it. You know when you're watching a new independent movie that's about the Internet? You are always think you're going to hate it um mm. and you're just gonna hate watch uh there's and from the late we well, have already discussed this when we we're talking about uh the empty man with um the curse of michael myers but there was a spate of um internet memes or how internet the internet works horror movies and this is definitely one of them but i kind of like most of them actually there's um kind of few that i outright loathe <laughs>
2: oh yeah for sure like that's the thing because as somebody who like myself who does love a good found footage horror film like there are definitely a lot more bad ones out there than good like at mm. least I, in my opinion there's like a, a very much a mixed bag oh, yeah. of a lot of them but i would definitely say the unfriended films are definitely one of the better ones in my opinion and, and particularly because they use what they call the lot uh the screen life format which of course is yes. like the whole story is takes place on a computer screen and i know a lot of people who don't like the second film dark web but i always found that i i really like the film as a whole i mean it's not as good as the first one was no, but not. i think it's but it's still very effective in its own way and a lot of ways in at least personally for me i find it a little tad more scarier than the first one maybe because like the threat that the characters are dealing with may not actually be supernatural
1: it may or not be supernatural it feels a little bit more realistic on mm. what happens when you pick up a virus more than i think the first one does at least now the first one's interesting because it is literally a haunted computer <laughs> kind of well social social yes. i don't know social media i don't know something's haunted and um and where there's dark uh, dark web is much feels much more grounded and Anyone who's tooled around on the internet has at some point picked up something they shouldn't have gone somewhere they shouldn't on, and just picked up something they are like, oh, crap. Um, and this is kind of that feeling, but it just kind of plays out in real, again, these movies, both these movies play out in real time. And they, um, again, are, are a movie that is kind of exploiting how people use entertainment now um the whole joke of oh I watched you know uh Tenet on my phone is the way that Christopher Nolan intended is the joke it's and that's kind of what movies are playing with and I think it's kind of fascinating that when someone can do a screen life movie well
2: yeah uh does my bike sound all right because I just fixed up one of the ports
1: no you sound good
2: okay cool I had to fix up one of the ports so that's so at least hopefully I'll sound better now um anyways Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I've I've seen quite a few screen life films. I don't know if you ever saw... um, There was one that played a myth a few years back called Profile.
1: No, I never saw that one.
2: That one was a really good one because it dealt with terrorism and that was actually a very effective use of it. And, of course, probably the best example of the uh, screen life format is uh, Searching with uh, John Cho.
0: Well,
1: yeah, when you get a good actor like John Cho and then you just especially because he is looking for his missing daughter on that one. So it is literally going through all the things you would do to try and contact your daughter on a, on a screen. It's, that one's a really, really great one. So, um, and then as I mentioned, I can't remember if I mentioned this. Yeah. The host, I've already mentioned that Mm. as well, Um, which was the start of the pandemic. No one knew what was really happening. We all thought we were going to be in our house for a month. (laughs) Um, And then somehow they made this movie. And so, yeah, I think, there are some really interesting things you can do with it, and I think it just sort of shows, again, there's an adaptability to horror. Mm. Um, that will always... I mean, you can take it back to sort of um, William Castle and how he used to, like, rig up the screens and you had different vision glasses, all that kind of thing. Yeah, there's just different ways you can watch movies, so we might as well get into it. <laughs> just, like, trying to go... It. No, I'm actually really looking forward to talking about this movie, and I didn't have as bad a time with it as I thought I was going to yesterday. And that is, of course, Danger-tainment, Halloween Resurrection, directed by Rick Rosenthal, you direct, who has already directed a really great Halloween movie and then directed Resurrections. Tomorrow night, you will enter the childhood home of our most brutal mass murderer. The home has been rigged up with several cameras, but for the most part, the audience will see
0: only what you see. Six friends.
2: Are you sure they're not just putting us in some house with hidden cameras in the shower? This is going
0: to be fun. Have been offered fame and fortune. That's the American dream. All they need to do... All the windows will be boarded up and all the doors will be locked shut behind them. No one will be allowed to leave until the show is over. You stay the night. Let the
2: danger-tainment begin! Now... You think this is the one that he used to, you know, do his thing? The webcast is live one flash and you could light up a thousand computer screens
0: you are like this close to getting voted off the island
2: the stage is set
0: has anybody else seen this <laughs> That worked it's
2: all fake we've been set up i'm only trying to give america a good show but the house
0: Wait, what just happened we just lost bill's camera there's somebody in the hall he is. Michael's
2: here! <laughs> um,
1: did you go see this in a theater bead when it came out?
2: I did see it in the theater when it came out. Uh, well, my well back where I was, where I used to live before I moved mm. down here to Melbourne, my small little country town, uh, we actually had our own little small cinema, which yep. would have play movies like every week. Uh, sometimes we had to wait for some movies to come around. I think it was like somewhere between four to six weeks before a film came out our way but i did see Hall- halloween resurrection at that cinema with a group of friends at the time i did enjoy it but you know when you watch that film more and more times over the years you definitely start to realize like yeah this movie is not good i mean it's watchable but it's definitely not a good movie at all <laughs> oh
1: no that's what i will give it credit for this movie is absolutely um watchable uh, yeah. except for that first uh four minutes once you get into uh laurie uh jemmy lee strode and she's kind of pimped out the asylum like it's goddamn home alone yes that's when it kind of becomes watchable but i think it does commit one of the work okay there's a really good article i'm going to attach to this um episode it is looking back because this is actually the 20th anniversary of
2: oh yeah that's right it yeah. is the 20th
1: anniversary 20th anniversary of this movie and there's a really good article of Bloody Disgusting directed by uh, written by Paul Lee um, about thing, and it was sort of saying that yeah you can have you can kill off characters I personally don't like it I think once they survive you should let them go free and live their life hmm. um, but this um, comes back and it kills Laurie one Jamie LeCun just wanted to just be done with the whole thing I think she was just like can we stop bringing me back that would be wonderful Um, The producer, Ahmed, um, actually had a stipulation that Michael couldn't die. So um, they kind of had to make up a reason on H2O how Michael wouldn't die even though you see his head. They had to have it both ways. So we didn't Mm. see that in H2O. So if they were ever going to do a sequel, that's something that we're going to have to have in there regardless, Mm. Um, which sucks because the whole Michael getting to the ambulance driver, sewing his mouth together and putting the mask on him, no. <laughs> I've always hated that. I still hate it. But I think it's sort of fascinating when you look at the mechanics of and of course the brothers that shall not be named we're not going to let a hit like H2O go without a sequel. Oh so, yeah. For sure. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like and the and the funny thing is though with Halloween H2O that was like probably one of the very few horror films that I can think out think of that actually had the perfect ending for that franchise. Yes. Because I remember being in, that, in the cinema, watching that film. And then when that ending came, I actually, I in my inner self, applauded that ending. Because I thought that was the perfect way to end the series. Like, Michael has finally been defeated. And I'm surprised it took this long for someone to actually think, you know what? Maybe we should decapitate Michael. Yes,
1: just <laughs> take the head off. No, I remember people, we chaired in our theatre at H2O. Like, it was an audible, yay, the, she's done it. She's finally killed killed the monster. And so when you go back and watch Resurrections and realize that it's not Michael, there's a... Because the ending was so well done in H2O, there is a sense of betrayal, which I'm usually not the person to... Okay, I have been on record saying if they kill off anyone of the original screen core, I'm leaving. And I didn't leave in Scream 5 because I thought they did it well. But... um, I was going to be really mad. And it's because of this moment, um, of usually I'm like, creators should do what they should do. They're not, they're making it not just for me, Mm. but there was a real, was a real sense of betrayal. I felt when I first watched this movie, um, it is petulant for sure, but there's a betrayal of you had the perfect ending and now you've just ruined it. Mm. What the hell?
2: Yeah. Especially for a movie that by all, by every fan of this franchise, it definitely is a very much a betrayal because I think, and especially with like if Halloween: Resurrection had been say you know an actual good film, then maybe it would that whole you know opening fifteen minutes been, would have been what the impact of that first fifteen minutes would have softened as well. But since the rest of the movie is not is <laughs> not good at all, it definitely adds much of a damper on it, and, I, and it doesn't. Surprise me at all that i know a lot of people kind of just ignore halloween resurrection as a whole in the franchise and see it as kind of like its own little thing yeah um especially because let's let's just face it uh the halloween Resur- i mean the halloween franchise is basically like its own multiverse at its moment at the it, moment
1: it really is i mean i've heard it described as the halloween series as a choose your own adventure which mm. is true you can either go for sort of the original kind of up to six you or even just the first two and then four five and s- three three is its own thing then four five and six and then halloween h20 and if you want to acknowledge resurrection you can and then um and then you've got the rob zombie and then the new david got a green trilogy so you can kind of pick and choose which halloween you like and kind of stay in that little multiverse um but when are sort of watching them again i've kind of realized even though i don't like the reveal of Laurie being his michael's sister I really didn't like it when they stopped acknowledging it. <laughs> I don't know what's going on there.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of the conundrum. Like I, I think both work in their own way, whether it Michael is Laurie's brother or, mm. you know, they're not siblings at all. But I guess if I had to choose between the two, I guess I still prefer them being siblings because maybe that's because I'm used to that kind of aspect of their relationship for so long. But at the same time, though, without them being siblings now in the new series that they're doing at the moment, it still works because at the... Like, Laurie is kind of... Thinks, like, there's this big vent... Like, has this... Like, her relationship with Michael is pure vengeance, but Michael, (laughs) in his own way, really does not give a shit about Laurie. No! Which is another aspect I do appreciate about, you know, the new films. But I could definitely see why some people... Kind of go back and forth between the two. But I guess in one element, I'm, I probably prefer them just a little bit more as siblings because again, I'm used to that kind of relationship between the two of them that way.
1: Yeah. Plus, Michael is a true predator. He, he, so having him hunt something specific, I think I enjoy more. And I know I've spent most of he- episode two already going off like, do they really need the reveal? I don't like the reveal. I don't like how it's done. So I realize how much of a hypocrite I am on this. Mm um but i do like it when he's got a kind of a goal and in this one even though it should feel like okay they're in my house i'm going to kill them all it kind of feels a little bit lackluster because if you're gonna have michael as kind of secondary which they have done in six and in h2o you need to make everyone interesting mm. and even though buster Rhymes is the most interesting character in this movie he's not capable because he He's not an actor that can hold it together he's an entertainer because he's dangertainment mm. but he's not you needed a stronger make katie psychophily that is what they should have done
2: <laughs> yeah well that's the thing though with um this film and i what i find in a way fascinating about it is i like buster Rhymes. like he's a fun guy and but you're right though i think he works better when he's a supporting character rather mm. than being the lead and like he probably would have fitted better, like he would have like his role should have been kind of similar to like how LL Cool J's role was in Halloween H2O. Yes. Where he's like just a supporting character. Um, yeah, because he I mean, I think LL Cool J is definitely a better actor than Buster Rhymes. For yes, sure. yes,
1: he is. And
2: <laughs> and he has already and he can prove he can carry a film because he has been the lead in a few projects. Yeah. But Buster Rhymes definitely not leading man material in this film but that being said though even though like he's his perform his performance in this film is weird because it's definitely not a good performance but yet it's an entertaining performance because it seems like he's the only one who's kind of giving it his all while everyone else in the film they're kind of just playing stock characters where you just don't really care about them that much
1: yeah and halloween resurrection actually has a good cast i mean it's definitely taking the old dimension kind of role of make sure you get the hottest kids that the teens like Mm. in the movie and try and get them sort of into it so you do have um a cast of um tyra banks thomas nicholas who was in american pie as i mentioned before katie sackoff who's just awesome Sheen Sheen Patrick patrick thomas um yeah there's a whole bunch of kind of up-and-comers from the cw kind of feel about it before the cw was an actual thing um and it worked look it worked for scream it worked for h2o and it worked for i know what you did last summer so it's i can see why they'll go for that formula and because they have a, a um ll cool j in h2o will get buster rhymes but LL cool j is actually a better actor he he's do he's so in, the, in H2O, but it kind of works, even mm. if he's constantly on the phone to his girlfriend reading erotic fiction. I <laughs> actually <laughs> kinda of like that relationship. But with Buster Rhymes, it, it just kind of felt like it's, oh yeah, I, I'm a really good rapper and musician. Yes, you are. So you're just going to narrate everything you're doing in this movie, aren't you? Yes, yes I am. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and like, even though, like, I think You're right in the terms of like, it definitely is a cast that they were basically getting who was the hot quote unquote teen actors at the time. Like you say, like Thomas Ian Nicholas was in the American Pie films and he's a bigger name. And then, and having someone like him attached to it and killing him off as the first of those characters, like is would be kind of a shock moment but it's not really because his character is very annoying and very sexist and <laughs>
1: and <laughs> which, yeah
2: again... he just
1: like keeps touching katie and she's like no like it's just yeah. well, Actually, all the guys in this are kind of scummy except for friggin' poor um
2: sean pa- patrick thomas yeah Sean
1: patrick thomas he's the only decent one and he uh, uh, yeah he's the only decent one and everyone else is a- an absolute scumbag
2: so <laughs> it's well that's the thing though like Thomas A. and Nicholas and Luke Kirby, their characters are essentially the same character. They are. <laughs> well, like, if, if I didn't know that they were two separate actors, I would have thought it was the same character in different scenes because they're basically just cracking on to all the women around them um with thomasy and nicholas keep going after katie stackoff
1: uh yeah michael myers is the great white of our um unconscious like we will we'll want to kill the lady in the checkout cat up in front of us i'm just like could you write a more piece i know the character's meant to be wanky but you could could you write a more piece of wank than a
0: dialogue
2: exactly and and also just all the characters are like that like even i i always keep forgetting katie stackoff is in this film. Um, <laughs> Me too. Brings, and like this is again like one of her earliest roles, and she brings. I, I enjoyed her in this film as well because I don't know why. Like on this recent rewatch of the film, she definitely has a lot of Brittany Murphy energy in this performance.
1: She really does. She's actually really cool. She's actually really fun and bubbly, and actually has energy where there's everyone else in that house, except for, again, sure, Patrick, that Kelly is actually trying actually no way there's too many triple barreled names god damn it why was this a thing in the (laughs) 2000s like blue powdered um um yeah Sheen Patrick Thomas sorry He's trying, um, and he's not too bad in it, though he's given nothing to do, but it's just those two, everyone else, just looks bored.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, Sean Patrick Thomas, basically his only character trait in this entire film is that his character loves the cook.
1: Yes, that is it, that he's, and, he likes kitchens.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I always love the fact that, like, because he did um, Save the Last Dance, which was, like, his big breakout yeah. film prior to this, and I always find it funny that he gets a special appearance by yes. credit in this film, even though he... When i see somebody get it on a credit like that it's usually like they're only in it for one scene but he's in the movie quite a lot this is more than just a special appearance
1: he's he's one of the last people to go actually from memory it's mm. yeah so it's it's um like he's the one he's gonna try and fight michael myers and well buster rhymes does as well because for the infamous round kick
2: <laughs> yes which is definitely like the most like cringiest moment in the entire film, but...
1: Anyways, yes, that round kick is an infamous part of Halloween lore now. I mean, it was always bound to happen. Someone always puts a round kick in there somewhere, but just not in this movie.
2: Yeah, and basically it... And also with him saying later on in the film, uh, trick-or-treat, motherfucker, is also, like, an infamous but hilariously bad line as well.
1: It, It really is. Um it's and I just love at the end you know Michael Myers ain't no soundbite um it's like it's actually kind of a good line if you were recording something
2: <laughs> yeah well I love the fact that this movie at the end of the Buster eyes tries to bring a bit of social commentary yes at the very end with like you know Michael Myers like he's a killer you and all that type of stuff and goes down into that whole like feel like he's a shark and all that type of stuff and it's like it's a bit late to kind of leave this social commentary at the last minute
1: especially considering you're the one who set everything up you've i guess mm. you've learned your lesson now but it just doesn't feel like you have i mean this if this movie had actually leaned into the social commentary of of it all i think it would have been really really fascinating mm. um you know the scruples of the producers you know the fact that they are tricking people into think there's something spooky in the house. The fact that they are um, uh, exploitating this house that where this horrible crime happened and then a series of crimes happens because of what happened in this house. And then, um, of course, Michael comes back and wreaks havoc. But it's... um, Yeah, it could have been really, really fascinating and how we see people... um, how we see tragedy, how we treat tragedy Um, and it was kind of before, now we're in like a big true crime boom, like Mm. there's even a podcast I like to listen to that's about true crime and Netflix and all that kind of thing Um, and it's interesting about our fascination with the gory details of the the killer and and not necessarily trying to celebrate the victims. And well, we should be because they were living people who died horribly. And it's, it kind of brings up all these things, but all they do it is like at a soundbite in the end to go, oh, yeah, so this movie's about this. <laughs> no, it's not. Stop
2: it. It it definitely isn't. And uh, one thing I do love about this film, and I've completely forgot this was in the film. Do you remember the little moment in the film that basically is a homage to Peeping Tom?
1: I did notice it this time because I've seen Peeping Tom the first time I did not realise that. (laughs) And that's the one kill I like. (laughs)
2: Because that was like at least somebody who wrote this film like had seen Peeping Tom and wanted to homage it in some way in this film.
1: Before Peeping Tom was actually coming back into people's consciousness as the masterpiece that it is. But I was like, hang on, I was Leonardo DiCaprio with freaking watching TV. Hang on, I know that, that that's Pippin' Tom.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and um, kind of to go back to the beginning of this film, like mm. with Jamie Lee Curtis, and I think another thing that kind of stings about the opening, other than the fact that it is a betrayal with, you know, she didn't really kill Michael after all and that mm. type of stuff, is that it's very obvious, so you watch the beginning, that Jamie Lee Curtis is very much phoning it in.
1: She is. I mean... In H2O, she is really giving an amazing performance, as I talked mm. about with um, Mike, that that performance kind of makes up for any fault H2O has, because she's really d- giving this amazing performance. This one, she's there for a day, she does not give a fuck, and you can see her holding her paycheck in her hand is just like, get me out of here.
2: Mm. <laughs> But the, the funny thing is, though, is, and I re-watching, I mean, I thought about this for a while and re-watching it again in prep for this show, it just pretty much cemented it for me, is that first 15 minutes of the film could easily have been its own film.
1: It really could have been. And you could have done a really interesting movie, even if you ended with Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers falling from um, the asylum. Mm. You could have um, easily done this amazing kind of, movie in a hospital because we've kind of seen that. I mean, yes, maybe Rick Roosevelt didn't want to do that again because he t- essentially did that in Halloween too. Mm. And he kind of, there's a really cool moment where you see the shadow of Michael on the wall right at the beginning. I'm like, oh there's Rick. Because he, yeah, yeah th- this is kind of what he does well. And then because this movie has to be about danger attainment, it's in this house. But yeah, no, you could have easily done the first 15 minutes could have easily been its own movie. And you don't necessarily need this 50, first 15 minutes to go into um, a house with a bunch of kids who were there on Halloween on his, mm. in his old house. Um, yeah. You don't, it, They don't belong together. It's Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like two separate films just joint as one. And, like, Ivorum could have just been separate. Like, I think with Halloween Resurrection, like, you didn't even need that first 15 minutes. It could have easily have just been its own standalone story. You didn't mm. have to bring Laurie back at all
1: no it really didn't and uh you could have somehow still gotten around the way that the producer didn't want michael dead i mean there are still ways you could have uh or just make it in another universe hey michael's alive in this universe which i think we're more accepting now back in 98 and 2002 we were like well no how did he get away with being decapitated um but yeah that that moment just ah uh, uh I, I hate it so much and yeah even the um Bloody Disgusting article does refer to this as a fan betrayal, which I think it is. And I think, I don't think a creator should be thinking of that kind of thing when they're making art. Like, I've had too many people sort of going, you know, uh, release the is cut or whatever cut. Just give us what we want and not to think about kind of what the art, anyway... But this really kind of felt like a stupid move, <laughs> narratively, just in terms of you've done this, now we're just going to go back and reverse it and now we're going to do a completely different movie. Doesn't seem right even 20 years later.
2: Yeah, definitely. And again, it's, yeah, it's it, it, like, it could have just um, been its own thing. That's what I think. It, it probably mm. would have worked better as its own thing. Like I mean, set it as kind of a prequel. What was Michael getting up to in between those 20 years? Yes! Like between Halloween Two and H Two O, like what was he doing? Because I mean, he obviously he had been trying to find Laurie during that entire time, and it's obvious, like based on what the information of this film gives us, that he had been hanging out in his whole house for quite a while in the back. Like, what was he? What he'd been doing during those twenty years? Like, you could easily have. There's plenty of ways you can create a story in that time frame. Like, obviously in the original early development of h2o like they were going to acknowledge that four through six actually did happen in that timeline yes and uh laurie was actually felt guilty that she had left jamie behind and started off you know so she can go into hiding and all that so like yeah granted like you couldn't do that in you know how they sort of ended up using halloween h2o in the end but you could have easily just did its own story like how did michael like where did michael maybe michael was part of that reality tv show then he left and then decided to go hunt laurie or something like that
1: exactly um it's there's so many things you could have done with it and i mean they did this the they did a similar thing in um halloween to rob zombies movie where you sort of see what he's been doing he's been living in a shack eating the occasional dog doing his own thing and then he sees something about loomis and laura and he's like okay i need to go back to haddonfield to go and cause more death and destruction
2: yeah exactly Um,
1: so yeah you can still kind of keep it both ways i mean that's what halloween always tries to do it always tries to keep it in both ways of yes he is a supernatural being yet he is only human um Mm -hmm. and i don't think very rarely do i think they really kind of get that um that balance right because it's a really hard balance to do at least with jason you know he's a supernatural being pretty much from the first movie when he jumps out of that lake. like it's it sets up that really really easy and it's much more easy to accept jason but michael we always have to have rules it's <laughs> we, we always have to have so many rules with michael
2: <laughs> and also like every universe has its own set of rules when it comes to michael
1: yes yes like i'm looking for, i'm dreading and looking forward to, forward to ends because i'm just like okay so you've broken and established so many roles in these two movies i don't know where you're going in three <laughs> yeah
2: i'm kind of curious about that as well but uh whatever we end up with i don't think it'll ever be as bad as uh, halloween resurrection
1: no i mean people complain about kills um yeah halloween resurrection is is just a mess of a movie we haven't gotten into the freaking teenage boy helping out Sarah, the final girl. What did you think of that whole weird subplot? Just before we get back if we get into uh W thing. I just think it's a really weird subplot of actually having this it's mocking I mean, internet dating is a thing now and we do it all the time, but before that it was either a fifty-year-old man you were talking to or a fifteen-year-old boy and there was no one in between.
2: Yeah, that was a kind of whole subplot. Like I uh, again, like internet dating was a thing, or even just going in chat rooms and talking mm. to people. Like I I'm, I'm also was kind of part of that culture too. I used to frequent chat rooms and stuff all the time. And occasionally I would talk to women and stuff like that. Like, again, like, you, you know, it's not a serious thing, yeah. but how it's portrayed here is pretty interesting. But at the same time, it is kind of, even though, yeah, there's only a small age difference between the two characters, but, you know, he is a teenager and she's a university student. And then I also realized is that, there was a university in Haddonfield. Haddonfield yes. has its own university.
1: Since when? <laughs> no, it's um Haddonfield. So full of surprises. No, it just feels kind of weird. I mean, it's to give someone, and it's it's to give someone an audience who's actually showing who's watching this thing, mm. this day entertainment thing. And um, I do like that he clicks on pretty quickly. Of no, that is a dead body. We are actually watching murder take place um and everyone is like absolutely fine with it until um until until they sort of realize oh uh uh, yeah. yeah wait she's actually in danger and then um so that kind of thing but he's pretty onto it and even the police don't believe him like ah no it's not it's a joke it's like So, seriously, you guys are watching it too? It's like everyone in Haddonfield is watching this thing.
2: (laughs) Although my only biggest regret about this film is the movie deprived us of a Tyra Banks death.
1: Yes, you just kind of saw her hanging there. I was just like, oh, man, we could have had the yeah there's actually like i can't even remember the order of the deaths now but a lot of them feel vague like i don't remember the first guy dying i don't really i remember the redhead dying and i don't really remember the other guy dying. see i'm already remember forgetting their names
2: um yeah well that's the thing i think like i can't even remember any of the characters names in this movie and um which is kind of funny because Like, yeah, even though they got actors who I recognise and have seen in so many things, like Bianca Kajic, who's, you know, the lead female character in the film, I was actually excited when she was cast in this film because I'd seen her on the TV show Boston Public and I thought she was great.
1: Oh, yeah, she is in that. Yeah, she is good in that.
2: And and I thought, oh, she's going to be great in this film and unfortunately she's just not given much to do at all with her character. And then there's, like, weird moments in this film as well, like the scene where... Uh, a light shatters behind her during the interview and she screams so loud that glass literally yes. shatters.
1: <laughs> Buster Rhymes loves going, Yeah, that's what we want. I'm just like, what is that? Okay. This is a terrible reality show to begin with. <laughs> and without Michael Myers coming into it all, it's just
2: <laughs> And also a very small show because it's Buster Rhymes, Tyra Banks, maybe two uh, two other people, and that's yeah. about it.
1: Yeah. It's really, really tiny. This is a definite small startup. Um, Yeah, I mean, the more I talk about it, the more I'm just going to say, I don't like this movie. And I don't. I don't think it works. I think it is interesting and I think it is worth watching it just for Buster Rhymes because I think he is hilarious because I think he does narrate every single thing he's doing Mm. um, in it. Like, I'm going to go to the door now. I'm going to open it up. Who are
2: you? Although, my favourite moment in this movie is like he, at one moment, he pretends to be Michael Myers, he has the yes! costume. Yes! And then Michael comes up behind him and he's about to stab him and then he turns around thinking it's one of the other crew members and he just gives Michael a massive talk down. and then Michael's like, uh, okay, and then he just walks away. And that's probably the first time that it's ever happened where somebody literally just like yelled and screamed at Michael Myers and instead of Michael just stabbing the stabbing the person he just ends up was like okay and just walks away
1: yeah you're right I was expecting him to stab him and he he just kind of looks at him and goes nah, I'll deal with you later yeah. um like a, n- no not actually I do remember one of the deaths because this movie does actually reference some of the other movies really nicely mm. um uh the kitchen guy uh, gets stabbed through the wall much like in poor bill in movie one yep. you have a head squeeze like in Halloween 4 you have Sarah running around on the roof like in four and there was something else that I went hang on this feels very similar to to a kill in two but now i can't remember what it is i probably did write it down but um yeah this is that kind of movie just disappears from your head uh anything else you want to say about halloween resurrection before we move on to the good movie of of the piece
2: well uh back to tyra bags yes it's weird though because i got the Ray, i got the like the screen factory box set when they released that a long time ago uh i was looking at some of the deleted scenes And I remember it's like, because I remember a while back seeing like they actually did shoot Tyra Banks' death, but it's not in the deleted scenes. And I know I had seen that scene on YouTube, but I think the reason why it's not on there is like uh, her acting in her death scene is hilariously bad because she is screaming, like she's being choked and she's screaming, but it it doesn't sound natural at all. (laughs) And it's just weird. And... I, I hope it's actually. I'm not misremembering this death scene because I know I did see it. I'm pretty sure it is out there somewhere. Yeah, I. It's
1: kind of. She. I always thought she was in the movie more than she actually is. Mm. She, yeah, I was sort of watching it, going, "Oh, I thought Tyra Banks was actually doing more in this movie than she's actually doing because she's only really there at the end, of, at the kind of the hey, let's film you for the first time to, um, not oh, yeah, I watching found the, it on
2: it oh, is so on youtube, it, if is people on YouTube. To, it is on youtube just look up nora's death on halloween the halloween resurrection and you'll find it but one more little thing about this film and this is kind of a another thing on youtube i think it might have been during might have been two years ago when this happened but katie stackoff like she has her own youtube channel mm. and i believe one year she decided to re-watch halloween resurrection <laughs> and, and she filmed her reactions because she hadn't seen the film since it came out yeah it is that i remember watching that video and it is actually a really fun and hilarious video just seeing her reacting to everything that's happening in that movie so if people go find that video on youtube it's pretty hilarious
1: no yeah katie sackhoff is amazing and i do actually enjoy her in this movie i think she's really really fun even though she's kind of just given the um bitchy wants to be famous Girl, And there's, again, another character who's exactly the same as her. Though I do like how she doesn't get naked but is about to pretend to that she will. And the other girl is the actual one who does get naked. Mm. Um, no. I think that's kind of an interesting contrast, if I was going to use an interesting contrast in this movie. But it's degrees of girls getting naked. Um, but yeah, she's actually really, really fun in this. And to have... her When she kind of dies... Though her death is actually kind of cool. I mean, the head of her just lying on the floor is, is actually pretty... Pretty special.
2: Yeah, I mean, you'd have to have a lot of power to decapitate someone with with a a, knife. knife. Yeah, just just like in one swoop, like that.
1: Yeah, it's well, if if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Michael Myers.
2: Exactly.
1: Yeah, it's. But they do do that thing where he's just walking towards you really slowly and they just kind of stand there. And I'm just like going, okay, maybe I would probably just stand there because I'm paralysed with fear. But at the same time, I'm like, you're in a movie. Run. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but also, one more thing. and I, I swear this is it. You know how much, like, how phoned in that pretty much... Uh... <laughs> um, Jamie Lee Curtis was in this film, is that I don't think they actually used her photo, like a recent photo of her on the poster for this movie. No,
1: because... they use H2O. <laughs> yeah,
2: because I was going to say, like, her haircut on the poster is not the same haircut that she has in the film.
1: Oh, I mean, the tradition of putting Jamie Lee Curtis in a bed and in a bad wig is kind of now a, a, a Halloween tradition. They've done it for every single, <laughs> nearly every single timeline she's in. <laughs>
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly
1: um but yeah they gave they used a picture of her from h2o and she looks amazing at h2o so i don't blame them um she's like super sexy in that movie but yeah she is so checked out at this point i'm like i don't blame you but Ah, oh, I, I can't blame you the paycheck mm. on this, but seriously, you
2: yeah, you deserve
1: better. You know you deserve better. Yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs>
2: A part of me does wish, like maybe she should have just said no, just to keep the integrity of that ending for H two O. But I suppose at the end of the day, money talks. So. Money
1: talks, and I think she was at that time just done with it. I think at that point she didn't want to do another Halloween movie until blumhouse came back and said okay we can't afford a dump trunk of money but we can afford a little truck of money would you mind coming back exactly um into um to be to be in a halloween movie but i think at the time she was just like harrison ford in in star wars just like going can you please just kill me off please
2: yeah that's pretty much yeah i think that was pretty much it at the end of the day. she only did this film so she could just finally be killed off
1: yeah just for good and just be done with the whole thing because she's not a big horror fan i mean i know she knows and i don't know how she felt about it at that time i think she's now realizing the history and the kind of how people feel about it i don't know she realized that in the late 90s early 2000s um and mm. hey sure it did get slagged on quite heavily because it was the scream ripoff even though i think even though it is you know very thank it, it, it pay- even though that movie is in large part scream because kevin williamson much wrote it um i think it's still it's its own cool thing and yeah then resurrection just went and just went "Mm, yeah
2: nah (laughs) i think it pretty much sums it up with like halloween h2o the perfect satisfying end to a franchise halloween resurrection not the most satisfying end to a franchise (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I just love the bit when Sarah's by the track and, and he goes, "Oh, Sarah, you're alive!" And she looks around from. He's like, "No, I'm watching you on TV." And it's like, "Oh, it's like yes, because that is a child." <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> and
1: then Buster Rhyme comes up and goes, "Hey!" And I'm just like, "Movie, did you actually think about anything you were doing and how no. you were going to end anything in
2: this?" I-, I swear, like Rick Rosenfall just let Buster Ives just do whatever he wanted in oh. the show because there are moments where, it, like, it's obviously he's improvising. Yes, or even just like some of his facial expressions are just hilarious in certain oh, moments. It's yeah, right? like
1: like the moment when he's dressing Michael down, he's just like telling him off for like way too long, and you could just feel Michael's like, hey, "I'm getting bored with this. I'm
0: going to go over here." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean he's the reason to watch it. I think. He is the most interesting because he's doing something. I mean, he's hmm. not doing something well, but I think he is actually giving an energy to the movie. Without him, I don't know how watchable this movie would actually be. It would just be people standing in a house with Katie going, "Hey, cool, yay!" <laughs> God, I don't know what I'm. <laughs> I'm not experienced enough to to actually hold a movie together yet. I have not been in Battlestar Galactica. I have not gotten my creds as an actor yet. I need to, yeah. <laughs>
2: exactly exactly
1: um you're good to go on to wnuf
2: yes let's do this
1: okay with that the curtains are reopening and we're going to go into something so shaky that you're going to think you're back in the 1980s again because we are with um the uh WNUF halloween special now bead what is going to be your first trailer
2: Well, my first trailer for the WNUF Halloween special, and I made sure to remember the first part of that title so much in the lead-up to this show.
1: I am going to ruin it at some stage. I just might call it the Halloween special from now on. (laughs) Yeah,
2: Yeah. Uh, luckily for me, I'm, like, looking over and I realise the Blu-ray for this movie is staring at me in the face, so I can at least look over and remember. Yeah. But uh, for my first trailer for this film, I am going to pick the film that this film was clearly inspired by... And that, of course, is the 1992 horror mockumentary *Ghostwatch*.
0: Susie. Oh my God. Oh my God. Stop it! Stop it,
1: Susie! Suzanne, you're coming with me.
2: So welcome live this Halloween night to the first ever TV Ghost Watch. That's the scene in uh, Foxhill Drive in Northolt. Our outside broadcast units are there. That's the house where it might all happen tonight, or it might not. We shall see
0: Get off me! Mike! <gasps> oh, my God, what's
1: happened? You okay?
0: no.
2: Round and round the garden.
1: Uh, I still need to see this movie. Um, someone's putting it out, isn't, aren't they? Or have they uh, put it I out? believe
2: it's uh, 88... Uh, I'm trying to remember which company it was, but I know a British uh, boutique label are releasing this on Blu-ray, but also one in the US is doing it as well. So uh, it's definitely coming out very soon. I'm very excited to pick up that Blu-ray.
1: Me too. This movie is infamous. Can you please tell everyone why this movie is so infamous?
2: Well, pretty much what it is. It's it was released I believe yeah, it was released on Halloween night mm-hmm. on the BBC in 1992. Mm-hmm. And it's basically like it was done as kind of like a prank TV show like in the sort of the lead up to it it was announcing like ah, oh, the BBC are going to do this special Halloween show where we're going to like go to a haunted house and find out if it's haunted and like they and the figures want well, to make it even more realistic that they actually got real bbc presenters to be part of it like yeah. michael parkinson was involved with this film and it's also again shot in the, the documentary format and the thing that, what is interesting about this film is that it's a very infamous and controversial film because when it aired, not me- people didn't realise it was fake. Like, they thought it was a legit, real show mm. and that all the creepy and scary stuff that was happening throughout was actually happening. Yeah. To the point where um, it scared people so much that, you know, like, the BBC had, like, phone calls from parents and other groups and all that protesting this film. And I believe this film might have actually had... Cause somebody to commit suicide as well because they were so convinced the film was real
1: it is a definite war of the worlds situation orson welles uh broadcasting war of the worlds situation and for people who don't know who michael parkinson is he was the 70s and 80s late night talk show he is the johnny carson i guess of britain and maybe just a sleazy, actually, because I know there's an infamous interview with Helen Mirren where he spent the whole time talking about her boobs. So he's he's kind of like that, but he was such an institution in Britain that if he is on this, that, and it's BBC One, not BBC Two, not BBC Four, it's the main BBC. So if you're sitting there watching BBC One, Michael Parkinson is on there, you're going to think this is a real thing. And I cannot wait to see this because I've heard that it is actually generally terrifying in some parts. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I haven't seen it for a few years, but I remember it being very creepy. Mm-hmm. And also what was interesting about the actual haunting within the film that it was based on the I'm trying to remember the name of the uh the real life. Uh, haunting that it was based on it was the same one that uh the conjuring 2 centered a story around
1: oh yes um i do know the one i can't remember but it was yeah like a east london-esque house with a poltergeist and it's a very famous british british case
2: yeah, yeah i just can't remember the n- name of the the place where it was set yeah uh, like i'm probably gonna have a lot of people yelling at me right now because of that but yeah it was just a very uh controversial film and yeah it caused a lot of outrage and a lot of people scared people so much that it you know some people had to go to therapy and even uh but it is a very effective film like I when I watched it like I like being a horror fan I kind of saw a lot of things coming and all that like it didn't scare me as much as you know other films have Mm -hmm. but it's still a very creepy film and it just gets more and more crazier as it goes along and it's and it's there's a reason when you watch it, like especially knowing the history behind this film, and just seeing like why it caused such an uproar for so long, and to the point like for a long time this film never even got a uh, a, a home media released because it was that controversial. Yeah. And also the film, and I was just looking this up right now because I didn't realize uh, the film was written by Stephen Volk and he was also uh, the writer behind films such as Gothic, The Kiss and The Guardian.
1: Oh my God, that is, yeah, (laughs) that is insane yeah no that is actually the kind of the perfect trailer because this is kind of what yeah as you said WNUF pretty much took this premise and ran with it but decided we're going to set it in 1984 or so? uh 87 I think 87 it was. yeah
2: um, like I just know that like WNUF was very much inspired by this film and they kind of did a more horror comedic version they of did because
1: we're, we're going to get into Frank <laughs> very soon um, actually I'm gonna change my mind I was gonna choose a sacrament but I'm actually gonna keep my um, haunted house kind of thing going but I'm gonna go for James Wan's conjuring from
0: 2013 oh. Oh. Let me try with pleasure oh.
1: clap I'm gonna get you now Breathing,
0: (laughs) you took your blindfold off. I win. I was in Christine and Nancy's room.
1: Girls, it's way past your
0: bedtime.
1: which is the kind of story of the Warrens, who were the biggest hucksters in history. If you actually read about them, they are not Patrick Wilson and, um, oh my God, what's her name?
2: Oh, uh, Vera Farmiga.
1: Vera Farmiga. They are not that good looking, that beautiful, and that that superhero-esque. But The Conjuring is based on the... uh, The first story is basically based on the Amityville house. The actual haunting, not what happened before the haunting. So I have a theme of, like real stories and tragedy and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I really do love the Conjuring. I love everything James Wan has pretty much done. Um even this even Saw's kind of gone on me run on me a little bit. Um this is just a really good solid spooky house kind of story. It's got all the jump scares in the right places. James Wan is a master of tone. Um I love Vera and Patrick Wilson as a married couple even in 3 and I don't really did not like the devil made me do it but i liked those two in it even though they look kind of lost um yeah no they are not what the actual warrens were at all um but i do like the fantasy of what the conjuring is
2: all right i thought i had to look this up before uh uh, the enfield poltergeist that was what uh ghost uh like the ghost at the center of that film was inspired by yeah um, but, yeah, I mean, The Conjuring is definitely a perfect choice for a film like this because, again, it's set entirely in a house and it also ha- involves a... Well, WNUF has its own kind of Warren-esque married couple. They do, yes. At the centre of it and, you know, having, you know, the act... And I think it's perfect to pick this film because, you know, it has the the, car- the Warrens played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga going to help this family and the sort of the spooky happenings at this house. And it's just a very effective uh, horror film. To me, I think it is still James Wan's best film, because this is him just, like, just firing on all cylinders and kind of successfully emulating the horror films of the 70s, because it it feels very much like a 70s horror film. Yeah. And it's just a really well-done film that is very creepy, has great performances, and it's it's just a very chilling film and also it was so successful not enough it 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 created its own franchise uh which i don't think anyone expected to be one of the most successful kind of multiverse i mean not multiverse but uh multi-film franchises uh currently out there today
1: yeah it just didn't create its own franchise it created its own world i mean now yeah. we have annabelle the annabelle series mm. we have there's the nun 2 coming out
2: yeah um, it, it yeah. kind of did like what the marvel cinematic universe does like it has its yes. own like it's probably one of the only few that successfully created its own universe of films
1: it really does and i forget people think how good and because of that i think because those movies are so up and down, the fr- other franchises, I think people forget how solid the first one is. Mm. And actually, the sequel is actually about the infield house. <laughs> so- yeah, exactly.
2: Which I'm kind of surprised you didn't pick that one. But I as a trailer, know. But uh, I still think the first one is still a good pick.
1: I think I like the first one better than the second one, even if the second one does have, does have Patrick Wilson singing Elvis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is just adorable. But no, that is going to be... So what is going to be your second trailer?
2: Now, WNUF is what what I love about the film and we'll go into it when we talk about it is that it tries tries to emulate like what TV was like in the 80s like Mm. from the commercials uh the visual aesthetic and also the fact that it's also done like it's was found on a videotape that has been watched multiple times so for my second pick I'm going for a film that kind of does a very similar Aesthetic with its approach to its story, and that of course is the 2015 uh, satirical slasher comedy, Dude Bro Party Massacre Free. In part one, she got revenge. Oh, no! In part two, she
0: decided to have more revenge.
2: <laughs> this summer. Motherface returns for the final chapter. I'm here to find out who murdered my brother. So brutal, so twisted, so, so. You ruined my life!
0: So offensive, it was banned in 18 states
2: and never released. Motherface is rising on the Harvest Moon to kill the Delta buys. So, weekend at the lake, it'll be
1: like
0: a dude bro party.
1: Like Easter for men. I still need to watch this. I have heard about it so much. I think I'm going to have to just bite the bullet, grab it, and get watch it for a during exploitation next year. Because this feels like the perfect. <laughs> time to watch it um so what is the third installment of this non-franchise about
2: well pretty much like again it's the third installment of a franchise and from what I remember like I've seen this movie twice now and one of those times was for uh an episode of the TV Tuesdays podcast because it was my episode <laughs> for that week so I chose this one because mm-hmm. I felt like it really fitted the format and basically the whole premise is is like um it's presented as a lost film to a in a fr- slasher franchise called Dude Bro Party Massacre. Like the first two had been out, but apparently, from what, but then the third film was t- so violent, so outrageous, they completely banned it. And how it's sort of presented in the film is like you're watching it from so- a videotape that someone taped of the film at three o'clock in the morning. Mm. And like WNUF, it has fake trailers, it has that sort of VHS kind of look to it as well so you've got a lot of the grain yeah. and scratches and also it is a very <laughs> this movie doesn't even try to be like a serious slasher film it is a full-blown comedy and it's very outrageous it is very silly it's one of those comedies where where they'll start a joke that starts off being funny then it stops being funny then it comes right back around to being funny <laughs> again yeah. and then it just throws so much at the screen in terms of its gags. Like some are you're going to laugh your ass off, others you're going to be like, And then, but you'll, you, so you go back and forth between that throughout the entire film. Um, It was created by a comedy troupe called Five Second Films. Mm. So it's very much comedy first and horror second, but it also delivers a lot of gore and there's a lot of blood and guts throughout this entire film. And also what I find interesting is that they got some pretty major players to make appearances in this film, you've got Patton Oswalt playing the police chief
0: oh, wow. in this
2: film. And also, Greg Sestero is in this film as well as one of the dude bros at the uh, at the uh, fraternity where uh, most of the action takes place.
1: Well, that's a reference. <laughs>
2: but even then, for some bizarre reason, Larry King makes a cameo. What? How did they get the king? <laughs> I-, I don't know, but he just shows up for like five seconds to be like the uh, college like... Um, PE teacher and then he just gets killed off very oh,
1: quickly. That is hilarious. Oh my god. Um no, I really do need to see this movie. This sounds absolutely amazing. And yeah, again, a perfect trailer for what we will be getting into. My second trailer, I'm going for something similar. Um something that captures a bygone era of of TV. Um actually, I don't know if this is readily available yet, probably in this everywhere else outside of Australia, but I don't think it's in Australia yet because I was lucky enough to see it at Meth, the melbourne um, international festival and that is amanda kramer's give me pity from well this year 2022
0: oh thank you oh my stars thank you well
1: what do you know television tv major network i've been waiting for so long you know
2: they thought i was crazy a television special but i think they're crazy give me But I swear, for
0: you, this special won't end until I'm flat out bashed in, croaking and backstroking, depleted and mistreated, begging each and every one of you to set me.
1: This stars, um, I did not write her name down, Bed Midler's daughter.
2: Yes.
0: <laughs>
1: um, she looks like Bed Midler a lot. Like the first thing, she's got her hair up and like curl and you're just like, that is Bette Midler's daughter. Um, and it's essentially a one-woman show, a variety show they used to have back in the day, the 70s and the early 80s, We just have one person singing, dancing, skits kind of thing, reading letters, which apparently was a thing. I didn't realise that we had a, like a letter section in these things. Um, think, uh uh, the the um, Star Wars Christmas uh, special kind of yes. format. Um, yes. Just random things happening all the time. But what I kind of loved about this movie, uh, it, or like, really liked about this movie, because I don't think it's perfect, it kind of descends into insanity. Like, you've got her uh, sissy St. Clair, who's going to be the biggest star in the world, and that's all she's talking about. And then you realise you this is her in a monologue. Uh, you're descending into her... Overinflated ego, yet her self-hatred, which is, um, I don't know what this is about me, but this reminds me a lot of what happens in your head. You've got that voice that tells you all the bad things and the voice that tells you all the good things. And there's also a possible demon running around and it just descends into surreal chaos what is actually happening is this an who is anyone actually watching this or is this just this woman pretending to put on a variety show
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I haven't seen give me pity but i do remember it was playing at myth like Mm. this year and i tried to fit it in my schedule but i just couldn't but i did see the director's other film that played at myth that year which Mm. was uh please baby please um but i am definitely curious to check out uh give me pity the fact that it has um bet midler's daughter in the mm-hmm. lead role whose name i can't think of at the moment and i feel really bad about that yes. um because we don't want to just call her bet midler's daughter for no, this entire conversation she
1: is her own person um yes, exactly. let me just get that look that up uh sophie van Halberg or something like that yeah. it is yeah sophie Z- Z- von Hesselberg i was actually very close uh she's actually really great in it um this was actually yeah because i saw you at the screening after afterward for something in the dirt i ran from um, Kino down to Acme, which if you're in Melbourne, you know what actually that means. Um, but yeah, <laughs> but with context, um, yes. you're always you're just sprinting in the streets between people and slippery grey stones to try to get to your next movie without breaking your neck or someone else's neck.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: Um, but no, I think it's a really interesting movie and it really, really relies on her shoulders. And it becomes like the self delusional parody, almost. Hmm. I think even though it's really short, I think it might be a touch too long. It may have worked just like as a 50-minute special, but where it goes and what it does, and she's absolutely fantastic. And Because she isn't allowed to rely on anyone else. So it is essentially like a one-person monologue for um, 90 minutes.
2: Yeah, well, that's what kind of intrigued me about mm-hmm. it. And and I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out once, um, you know, it sort of becomes readily available and people yeah. can check it out. So I'm definitely very excited to see it. I think
1: it's definitely definitely worth checking out. I cannot wait to see her other one, ba- please, baby, please. Cause I was just like, I need to watch some more Amanda Kramer. Um, and with that, we are going to be getting in to a movie that really surprised me. Uh, Cause you suggested this or Hell House. And I thought, no, let's go WNUF.
2: Don't check your dial folks. You didn't tune into Transylvania's public access station. No, sir, tonight.
1: It's Halloween. Halloween is Satan's night. The night of the devil
2: reporter Frank Stewart has a special Halloween treat in store for viewers tonight. He'll be leading a group of paranormal experts through the infamous Weber House. Do you know what happened here in the Weber House? Some people got killed, their son went haywire.
1: Frank Stewart and his team of experts will conduct the first ever live on TV seance.
0: Evil works in mysterious ways, Frank. It's unpredictable. Are there any spirits in the house? It's scary. <laughs> that, that, that's far out. up something strange going on in this house animal mutilation paranormal disturbances <laughs> devil worship wait whoa hold on this is not stage. hello is this
2: the work of the devil
1: folks we are going where no camera crew has gone before father perform the exorcism this is not some halloween prank the grisly evidence of the
0: supernatural is real <laughs> no, no. we'll be right back
1: because i had never seen it and i kind of only thing i knew about it, it was a haunted house and it was like a '80s uh, news broadcast yes. um, with ads. Um, but what it does and where it goes actually really surprises me. Did you see this on the Vinegar Syndrome disc? Or
2: oh, I saw it like way before then. Mm. But I did pick up the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray when that was released, and that was kind of one of the things that intrigued me because I saw a trailer for it like what like a few years back. And it was like this horror comedy that basically is created to kind of basically the whole plot of the film is that it's a new like it's a new special episode that's going to be a Halloween edition of the show. In which um, the main reporter, uh, Frank Stewart, played by Paul Farenkopf, and I probably butchered his last name, so please forgive me, is going to do a uh, live uh, show at a haunted house that's kind of infamous in town. Mm. And what I really like about this film is when you watched it, like if you didn't know that this was, you know, a made up film, you would honestly think that it was a taped show that was on TV because it does a very authentic job at capturing what television was like at that period of time, but also the ads as well. Yes,
1: though. I'm going to get into the theme of the ads because I was like going, why are they all about children? Anyway, we'll get into that. You um, know, I think it's fascinating. I know growing up in New Zealand in the yeah, it really does. Like how the ads work, how they keep going to ads, the ad with the guy who's selling the furniture um, yes. feels even authentic for this nigga of the woods. Like there was always that goddamn local you can get I sell the cheapest beds and it's always the guy who owns the store and it's like, this is the daggiest thing ever. Um, and it captures kind of like the flippancy of violence, especially in terms of a live broadcast, because the news because you have to go on the next thing. Before we get into that, I know in New Zealand in the eighties, Halloween was never a thing. Yeah, mm. well, it, we had scary movies. It was kind of around, but no one took it. I knew took or treated. Um, so I've never. Um, and it wasn't until I was older and started going to small costume parties. I think was kind of more my the way I we ended up celebrating Halloween. Because we had Guy Fawkes Day, like, the week later, so we were just fine giving kids, like, firecrackers and seeing what they did with them. I'm assuming this is similar in Australia in the, in your, when you were a kid?
2: Yeah, well, I remember, like, as a kid, like, Halloween was just not a thing in Australia. Yeah. But I was always fascinated by it because growing up, when you as a kid, like, I would always watch a lot of films or TV shows that had, you know, where they, that was centred around Halloween. Yeah. And I was always very fascinated by it. And I remember my siblings and I used to go out and trick-or-treat anyway uh some people did give us lollies and stuff like that but then of course we had the odd person who would just slam in our face and say "How in is american holiday and then and piss off and stuff like
1: yeah. that oh giving but, you i'm not giving you anything
2: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and that was like but like went like that for a few years and then i think as i've gotten older especially you know in my teens and 20s and 30s and that it's really nice, at least in the... I would say in the past maybe 15 years, Halloween is in Australia is now starting to get more and more embraced. Yes. Like, yes, you'll find some people who say oh, it's an American holiday, we shouldn't be celebrating it. But then I just fall back in the face and say, oh, well, technically it started off in Ireland, but, you know. <laughs>
1: it's technically Gaelic, and Australia likes to celebrate its Irishness, so you might as well just get.
2: Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I, I'm of the opinion, like, Australia will not... Se- if Australia can't get drunk on that holiday, they won't celebrate it.
1: This is true. This is the same with New Zealand. If there is no alcohol involved, why are we doing this? And this is Halloween, because Halloween is all about the children going out and getting lollies it's about dressing mm. up it's about watching scary movies it's not necessarily drunk front and center
0: yeah
1: um and so uh, there is a new zealand australian the point of view of like well if i'm not getting drunk what's the point like yeah, I, yeah.
2: <laughs> and again i just throw it back in their faces like do you celebrate saint patrick's day and I say yeah well you know why not celebrate halloween because technically we're not irish we don't have to celebrate saint patrick's day so. yeah but
1: you can get right roll drunk and it's okay on saint patrick's Exactly. Day.
2: <laughs> It's,
1: it's accepted to be vomiting out in the street at 1 p.m. of the day.
2: Exactly. But it, like in the last 10 years in particular, like I'll go to the supermarkets and all that, and you'll oh, always yeah. see Halloween decorations, or I even see a section where it's like pumpkins for sale, and they're like, Halloween pumpkins, get them to create your own jack- jack-o'-lanterns and And all
1: that. you do see more kids in groups going around at trick-or-treating, which is really cool. So, you know, the spirit, and you see more decorations happening around houses. Yeah. Um, So it is definitely a thing that's starting to happen, which I think is really, really cool. But if I had tried to go trick or treating in my neighborhood as a kid, I was more likely someone to give me a joint than they were a (laughs) lolly. So um, they would have just looked at me and gone. Actually, no, they wouldn't give me a joint because marijuana was very expensive. So (laughs) it's not like you're growing your own. Um, But no, it is. Yeah. So. To have kind of newscasters dressed the whole point of this to say newscasters dressed up as a vampire and a witch giving very serious news was even still a weird thing for me to Mm. to watch i mean i know there's the joke in hubie halloween um they are all dressed as harley quinn which i still think is hilarious um i secretly like hubie halloween um i don't secretly i just like that movie um and yeah so to sort of see them having really talking about really serious news and the witch's hat just keep bobbing up and down i was just giggled sign to giggle uncontrollably the more serious the news got i was just giggling
2: <laughs> i think that's kind of one of the funny things about the film is like sometimes yeah. they'll do serious stories throughout it and then of course they are of course, in their Halloween costumes and everything yeah, like that. And one of the ads that makes me laugh the most is the... They play it twice during the film, is uh, about the dentist who keeps telling people not to... Uh, d- uh, worst Halloween dentist is,
1: has, it's a worst dentist's Halloween worst nightmare.
2: <laughs> yeah, Halloween is a dentist's worst nightmare, especially the next day. And then they organise, like, we're going to do, like, this kind of uh, candy dry. So instead of, like, eating your candy, you come by, give us your candy and we'll give you money for it yeah and it's like they're only like giving like a few dollars and it's not like um like a lot of money like you can give them like a couple of pounds of lollies but yet you're only going to get like maybe two bucks out of i'm like no
1: no no that is kind of why i think the dentist is involved and we'll be spoiling uh w n -U u f (laughs) <laughs> Halloween but just be, but we're spoiling the Halloween special um, yeah. so there is a really great um, a disc uh, from vinegar stream and you can get to watch it if you if you want to watch this but we will be spoiling it yeah the dentist is absolutely on this plot to to kill Frank <laughs> and yeah. thats and, and the people in the house um, it, because yeah because I' was sort of watching the ads and as someone who doesn't have a lot of ads now because I just watch streaming mm. um, or whatever disc I've got in the house um, I was actually wanting to fast-forward some of the ads. I'm like, okay, ads. But then I started watching them and going, a lot of them are family-centered. I mean, they do get a little bit darker as the night goes on because it's obviously getting later, so they can have the strip yep. the strip club ad and all that kind of thing. But they do the ads really smart. And, yeah, they sort of start off as family-friendly, but they're very much about getting involved with kids. And, and this movie does have such a satanic panic um, thread yeah. running through it, which I was kind of like going, oh, I think I get it now. The ads are kind of reinforcing... The different ideas toward halloween mm. and also the fact that halloween is not a good thing from the dentist going yes you should be giving away your candy for two dollars i'm like no no i'm keeping my i'm keeping my lollies <laughs> so i'm keeping my chocolate i'm not giving that up um and to the fact that you do have the news which by the way i saw on twitter there was actually a news story from texas about a woman saying she was not gonna let her kids watch hocus pocus so because they have witches and i'm just like that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard, but yeah. that's just me. And I'm sorry if you don't like witches, but it's, it's sad because poke anyway. Um, so that sentiment is still out there about Halloween and why people celebrate ha- Halloween and also with the exploitation of this real event um, and the whole uh, cool, uh, There's a lot to unpack with this movie, which is why I like it a lot.
2: Yeah, definitely. Like it's a, it's just a very interesting film and like you i basically you know like i watch a lot of streaming these days i rarely even watch normal television yeah at all um and whenever the ads sort of pop up there i did have that urge to kind of like fast forward them a little bit particularly it did even at some points in the film and maybe this was by design of the filmmakers as well is like sometimes when you go back to the actual live broadcast like they literally are only on screen for two minutes like we're back. Oh, well, you got to go to commercial break right yes. now. And it's just like, oh, come on. <laughs>
1: but that's what it used to be like. I yeah. mean, um, I'm lucky with the fact that the only thing I watch with ads is Tubi now. And sometimes I won't. Well, I might cut that out. But my friend's Foxtel account, <laughs> I have the password for. Um, but it is. Yeah, it's the, I don't watch ads. And you remember it got to a point where you would be watching a TV show or a movie and within 10 minutes, you got another round of ads. It yeah. was, it was getting to the point where you're watching more ads than TV. And yes, they were thrown to ads by the end. Cause they were like, oh shit, this is a situation where we don't know what's happening, go to commercial, go to commercial. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the time it was just literally, okay, we've got ads paying for this, so let's, let's go. I mean, some of the ads were fun. I do like the strip club one. I do like the dentist um i do like how whenever the um the joke of whenever the furniture guy came back up the guy who was watching it would fast forward
2: <laughs> yes and also just like um just like i know for a fact that like a lot of these ads were specifically made for the film and they actually yes. had other people contribute there's ads like,
1: to it. uh 10 other directors so yeah it was like a, it's almost like an anthology in that way
2: yeah and also like the all the ads are different there's very rarely kind of show an ad twice like i think the dennis one is like one of the only few ads that they play
1: twice And the furniture one because that would be you know that guy who owns Mm. that furniture store paid for three ads to be played within one hour
2: so oh yeah exactly that's and and also the other ones like and also how authentically these ads are as well Mm. even though yes they're more like local tv ads but i remember even growing up in a small town like even though we had yeah the big major you know TV channels, mm. but they always play ads that are, were local. Yeah, and a lot of them just felt in this film felt very uh, authentic to me because they did remind me a lot of the ones that I grew up with, particularly you know like the sort of the uh, the sort of the 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 truck ads, you know, like uh, yeah. And also I love the ones where they were like show these kind of cheap tv shows or horror shows or movies that are going to play later on that night and my favorite one and i wish there was like a real movie of this is a a mummy film called uh, sarcophagus
0: yes
1: it looked amazing though the only thing is i wish they gave the because it was a really good cop one because chicago fire and i'm like okay if that was an actual ad you'd have the cop speaking like you wouldn't just it'd be them the guy there's a few bits i love in it but i'm like oh no they would be yelling something to They'll always show a little bit of the show, which is kind of the one thing that went, ah, that's not quite authentic.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, some of it I know, like I said, were filmed, like actual film ones, and I think others kind of use archival footage as well of that period. And the movie kind of just does a good job. It's like you can't even tell the difference between what's fully, like the ads that were fully filmed for or ones that were kind of put together from archival footage. Like they do a good job, like you can't even distinguish between any of the ads because they feel very authentic to each other
1: no you can't and even the broadcasters i mean the one joke it, it's a, i know it's a joke but it kind of shows that the how um people sort of treat again a real horrific act is when they're talking about the kid who was shot by the guy with ptsd at the beginning mm. and having the mother who's still grieving and then whoever's watching it fast forwards <laughs> and it's like oh <laughs>
0: I, I do mean, remember that yes. it's a it's
1: a wrong joke because you had this very sweet tiny asian boy who's wearing um his dad's fatigues for halloween and he knocks on the door of someone who's living in vietnam and i'm like oh no this joke and then they fast forward it and you're like oh no <laughs> it just adds on the I do,
2: yeah and that's the funny thing though because like out of all the ads like a lot of them yeah they're very authentic but that's the one that very much sets up a very dark joke
1: yes that and- is
0: yeah
2: like it definitely draw i mean it definitely does draw attention to itself because it's obviously like it's so ridiculous of of a news story that i mean yeah it probably could happen in real life but the way how it's presented is like you know that it's like an actual joke but it's just so it's just so dark in how it's presented
1: it's so dark in how it's presented i think it's a really good idea of what you're going to get into because the newscasters do this as well they talk to each other exactly how they would Oh, like, I love the last line of, um, every, like, it's, it's actually the end, when they're not longer in their, um, in the Halloween getups. So it's just obviously five days later and goes, everyone thought this was a hoax and so everyone laughed, but mm. we're not laughing. It's <laughs> just like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> we still haven't found them. <laughs> it's like, oh,
2: <laughs> But I love the fact that it, again, we're. Probably have to spoil this film. Like throughout yeah. the entire film, like it does deal with, you know, the satanic panic that was happening
0: yes. at the time,
2: and I, which I think is actually great because they weave it in through a lot of the film and, and a also lot of, some the of the ads as
1: well. Yeah, some of the ads yeah. I think are definitely in that because I was sort of going. Why are there so many ads about children in a news broadcast? I mean, this could mm. be a cultural thing because um, mm. it was a lot of. Yes, With I do remember ads like come in again because we had local ads and it was always someone trying to sell furniture or carpet like so, so many carpeting ads in, in goddamn New Zealand, um, but it was also about your come help tutor kids. Mm. And it was all these kind of things about adults spending time with children. And it felt kind of icky. But then when you realize it's about the satanic panic, and it was this kind of thing about protecting the children mm. from all these horrible things that are happening. But when you look back, you realize, actually, no, it was all these programs that were set up designed to protect kids that were actually doing the most damage because that's where the nasty people went. They weren't mm. doing satanic things. They were literally in the house. Ha- the- There's calls coming from inside the house with this. It mm. always is. It's, never, it's not as much stranger danger as it is the person you know. Um, and I thought that was a really nice commentary on how 80s, because in the 80s, it was so much about stranger danger. Yeah, that is what we got drilled into. I was very, very young in the 80s. So I'm more of a child of the 90s, because that's when I was older Mm. and I was wearing the cargo pants and I was kind of more involved with whatever culture was happening. But as a kid, it was deer, which was the uh, anti-drug thing that they did. And also, it was um, Stranger Danger, and those things are so weaved in so well into the into the ads and into just to the people that they're talking to, and um, it's just all in the background. So you don't, when the ending happens, you don't see it coming. That oh, it's actually. Um, the people who were uh, saying we must protect the children and then they're the ones who are doing this horrific yeah act.
2: they're the ones who end up being the uh the perpetrators exactly
1: yeah, yeah. i thought that was really really smart yeah it, it was a... so well
2: yeah it weaves it so well and i actually even though i'd seen this film before i completely forgot the twist <laughs> and like i honestly for for a while it's like oh they're setting up a lot of the satanic panic stuff like oh I'm trying to remember the ending oh maybe it had something to do with that but no it's like more of these kind of like uh almost like these kind of far right you know fundamentalist kind of christian characters who mm. are very much against Halloween, and they do a good job at setting them up through the film because like yeah they pop up every now and again like in a news bulletin or during a moment where uh frank stewart who we'll have to talk about very soon we're we gonna get like, into frank? Um, <laughs> he does like he's gonna do a hotline and people talk and have questions about That's the house so my favorite every- part. <laughs> and every now and again like somebody that was like uh halloween's an abomination you do and you're I gonna believe burn it,
0: in hell <laughs>
2: and i believe that some of the from what i remember because that one of the people who did it at the end was in that news board to, yeah earlier and also in over the phone so like again it does a good job at setting up where you find you would think oh maybe it is this house is haunted or something like that but then you find out that it's actually people doing it. you think oh it's a like a, a satanists and stuff like that but nope it's these uh, anti Halloween <laughs> people who are doing it and it actually is a very smart and clever way to kind of pull the rug underneath and make that the twist of the film
1: it really is uh because you could easily forget that it isn't demons or it isn't a group of satanists that it is the fact that it's a group of yes, very conservative right-wing anti-nationalist uh, Christians, I guess is probably the word you call them now. Mm. Um, and they're the ones who are doing this because they want it to stop. So they're going to try and say, oh, if you're going to go in a house with mess with these elements that Frank obviously thinks is a joke. Like he does not, mm. like he's mocking everyone from, oh my God. we
2: Oh yeah. the. Uh... Uh, Paul- oh my
1: god! The interviews outside the house are the best.
2: <laughs> uh Paul Farrenkopf, and again, if yeah. I put to his name, please forgive me. As Frank, he steals the entire film because, like, he clearly and he does this in a very beautifully subtle way. Is like he clearly does not want to be there. No, like, he's, the- he's definitely <laughs> the reporter who always does all these specials for the news. Like, where because I think um I don't try to remember if this was in in the actual film, or it might have been one of the special features on the Blu-ray, is that they have, like, a trailer for the Christmas special, and it has, like, Frank hosting a Christmas special, like a previous one from a previous year. So it's very clear, like, Frank is a guy who is the one reporter who is kind of forced to doing all these specials, and you can very much tell in a very subtle way that he has very much content for all of this and to the people around it, because he very slyly kind of mocks.
1: Oh, the by who... the end, he's outwardly just, the contempt on his face is just like, as soon as the um, priest re- reveals he's an actor, he frank just goes, you worthless piece of ungrateful shit. <laughs> it's just
0: like,
1: <laughs> when he's interviewing people at the thing, it's like, oh, have you, Um, oh my God, this one guy is like, it's like, yeah, yeah, we're at this house. We're on TV. It's really exciting. And this one guy, he goes, oh, yeah, no, people died in this house. And, go, and he goes, this guy goes, looks at the camera, goes, wait, someone died? And the look on his face is so sweet because he didn't actually realize that this was... a.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it is just those little jokes. It's like when he's um, going, oh, have you seen a ghost? Yeah, I know who, who I want to call. Who? Ghostbusters or something. <laughs> yeah, like he ruins people's jokes. He hates the fact he has contempt for it, but he hates the fact that no one has also, no one is taking this seriously. Like... um Oh, that one girl goes, oh, yeah, no, I, I believe in nice, nice ghost. Like when your grandmother dies and she comes back and goes, oh, was that what your mother told you? Like, <laughs> did you also have a dog that was given away to a farm? No, yeah. I don't have a dog. It's just.
2: <laughs> like, it's he does it so well. Like, he is, a, like, very charismatic as a TV host. But, yeah, he is an absolute dick to everyone in the film. Not just, like, to the, like, the people who are out the front, you know, like, in the audience, but yeah. even, like, the people he's, who are involved with this investigation as well. Like uh, the burgers, who are kind of like the Warren stand-ins for this film. Like he very much is like, oh, you guys are just kind of full of shit. Um, Yeah.
0: It's
1: like, oh, wait, you have a cat.
2: (laughs) Oh, your cat uh, can see ghosts. Okay. (laughs) It's
1: like, oh, so what do you feel when you're in here? Oh, I dig a me a minute. And you just go, what do you mean it takes you a minute? No, you need to tell me now. I'm on camera. Like Mm. you can tell he's knows. He's the kind of the one who understands that he's live yeah well his reaction to when his producer comes out in a mask and a chainsaw (laughs) yes it's brilliant like he hates everyone around him and i don't think he deserves what happens to him Mm. but the fact that he was given again it's one of those kind of wicked man things he was given so many warnings to get out of the house the burgers are telling him the actor priest is telling him um the fact that the call and seance doesn't go which by the way really you think that was going to work out (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> one of my favorite things and this, this is the only quote that's on imdb and yeah. it's from the seance scene and it's one of the callers and there's a lot of great caller oh my moments God. in it. like one dude in particular like rings up and is like uh yeah like uh i can't remember the band's name but he's like Woo metallica and rules or something metallica rules or something like that yeah but pantera
1: uh, maybe more likely yeah yeah
2: pantera <laughs> yeah and um and he's just getting a- and frank is just getting annoyed with all these calls because please he's take actually- this
1: seriously It's like yeah. you're not taking this seriously frank <laughs>
2: And uh, like one of the calls like rings up, and I quote is, "Uh, yeah, um, I was wondering if you can contact my dead grandmother and call her a bitch."
1: Yes, I wrote that down. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it is absolutely wonderful. It's like, oh my god, the producers not, no one is screening these calls at all. <laughs> they that's,
2: that's kind of the funny thing when you compare it to Ghost Watch when you see it is like none of that type of stuff of like happens throughout the film because it's played it very straight yeah but i imagine like if something like this was happening in real life that is like a an actual live broadcast this is what would happen to frank with all these people calling in like mocking the whole situation mocking him mocking the guests and just not taking any of the seriousness of what's happening in this house
1: no and it is actually really dark as to what's happening because mm. as soon as they walk in the burgers are like doing their thing. Like whether they are con men or not, you never really know because mm. it's because the fact that there is no demons in the house or ghosts in the house leaves kind of everything kind of, and the, the fact that the priest is not a priest kind of questions everything about the falseness, which actually goes back to resurrection. Cause the fact that Nora and um, Buster rhymes, um, put everything in the house to kind yep. of be fake, to try and get reactions out of the people who are walking around with those cameras on their head. Um, and it's, so yeah, it's sort of that kind of building up that kind of reaction. So, but when the cat goes missing and misses the, oh my God, the line. Oh, can I call you the, uh, whatever your first name is? No, you can call me Dr. Persia. <laughs> um gill can i call you gill no you can call me dr berger um i love that line so much it's like okay dr gill berger like frank is just like i'm gonna be a dick no matter what
2: well i like the fact that at least the burgers like like again like you say we don't know if they're like legit demonologists or not but we like i like the fact that at least the film like they obviously are kind of onto Frank being a dick to him. Yeah. Like, and like, cause they have their own method of working when it comes to the supernatural. And, and you've got Frank here, just like, oh, come on, hurry up. Quick, quick, quick,
1: quick, 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 quick. quick. It's like, um, this is not how can... it works. Yeah. <laughs> it's not how it works. And he's like, well, it needs to work this way because we're on TV and we're doing it live. Mm. Um. And then the, yeah, the cat just runs up the stairs. You can tell Frank just does not care about that cat yeah. at all. It's like, oh, the cat ran away. Okay. He's trying to make it work for television, but there are moments where he's like, I just just don't care. Can we just get through this? And um, even when they're saying we should leave the house, Frank's gonna go, no, 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 we've got to stay. We'll go down to the basement. Yes, let's just go down to the basement in any haunted house. Just, yeah, sure, Frank, that's a great idea. Um, But we'll go down to the basement and where the bodies were found with this horrific murder that happened. And then we will kind of go from there. So every single time someone says, I want to leave, he's like, no we have to stay. I've got to finish this tonight and then we can all leave. And then we can get on with our night, but we have to do this thing correctly. Um, and none of it goes right. I mean, I do love the thing when they walk, they hear the crash and during the seance, when, you know, can you please tell my grandmother she's a bitch, which I, I adore. It's such a great line. And then I find out that the burgers, um, equipment has been broken. And then the cat has been torn apart. You, yeah. And you get this brief glimpse of, um, oh, there's the cat. No, don't show the cat. Like, because this is when Frank's going, okay, something's... Yeah. you do not sure he believes it quite yet. Yeah. Until he starts really insisting on the exorcism, even though it's not... Actually, do you think, actually, Frank thinks the house is hoarded by the end, or do you think he just doesn't know what's happening?
2: I think that's one of the interesting things about the film, is like, obviously, in the first half of this film, he's obviously like, eh, you know, whatever. Yeah. But then there is a point where you start to think, like, is he actually starting to believe this or is he just playing along? Yeah. Um. Like, I honestly think with his interactions with the priest who we find out in the film is an actor, I honestly think, like, he doesn't know that's a priest. I mean, like, an actor. Like, he, because he keeps pestering him, like, oh, yeah. do an exorcist. Do an exorcist,
1: Over- do an exorcist. The guy's going, oh, no, 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 can't do an exorcist. And like he, is- he doesn't know how, yeah.
2: Yeah, because, like, he's very much pestering him to do it. And I think if he knew that, he was an actor yeah he probably wouldn't pester him as much as he does in the film and then once he finds out oh i'm actually not a priest i'm an actor like you can definitely see how outraged he is yes by the whole thing and then not long after that that's when he gets knocked out and later killed sorry.
1: yeah because that's kind of what i was sort of wondering is because he's pester he's going he's just really pushing on the not priest to do an exorcism you can, can't use you can see that there is evil in the house This mm. other guys just like i don't actually know what's happening this is mm. i'm as freaked out as much as you and when he says i'm an actor he goes oh i don't know actually how to do an exorcism and that's when it all kind of well you need to do one anyway mm. it's kind of like half of it still trying to go on with the show and then kind of going oh shit what is actually happening
2: Yeah, well, I like the Mm -hmm. fact with uh, the priest character, like um, the way how he's handled until you find out the twist (laughs) is like, oh, you should do an exorcism right now and the priest is, and this is very accurate to what priests when it comes to exorcisms mm. would do is that oh well we can't just perform an exorcism we've got to inform the Vatican and then we got to get it approved because at the end of the day like you know people think oh they do exorcisms all the time but a lot of the times a lot of priests would actually try to find out if what is happening in whether someone's possessed or if a house is finding out if it if the person's either actually mentally ill, and all that before they can do it, because they don't want the risk of doing something and then something bad happens.
1: Yes, which is has happened in some cases. Yeah, of, in cases, yeah. In cases. But what you do find out when you're actually looking at it is um, even when you watch The Conjuring, it doesn't, it hints at it, but it doesn't really go into it because the Warrens are superheroes. Yeah. There are a lot of priests involved. There's a hierarchy
2: yeah. um,
1: involved of actually what is considered an exorcism, what is mm. or considered you need an exorcism, what is considered possession. And this is has a definition that has changed um, i think the vatican still believes in denominic possessions because they're catholic i'm not, yeah, not yeah. sure what the thing rule is oh yeah well wearing. they
2: got their own little uh school uh, yeah too, i think I th- yeah
1: exorcism but it's kind of um but it is a very hierarchical thing mm. and it has to go up all the thing you just can't yeah, so that, I do like how he says, well, I can't actually. So you can kind of tell that's a thing he's read to prepare for the role. And so he says that as his defense. And the guy's like, I'm not having this. You need to do one right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, and he's like, I, because I don't know how to actually do one. <laughs>
2: I'm exactly. sorry,
1: I'm an actor. I didn't. I didn't read that far into the book. I obviously was reading about. About exorcisms
2: <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing though it's such an interesting little film and especially where it takes a very much a dark turn yeah in the last half in the especially the end because again we find out who the actual villains actually are and i think the movie does do a good job at like setting itself up because you do think maybe at first like maybe something supernatural is happening mm. in this house and then of course some other things happen that we find out it's actually uh, these kind of anti-Halloween right-wing conservatives mm. that are doing it. Um, but then when we kind of see the little bit of footage later, that's variously, very much shot by them. Yes. With Frank, who's al- almost dead. Then you have all the other people there, like the burgers, the camera... One no one guys, yeah no one left the
1: house
2: yeah but yeah, I think, the intern I, I
1: think it's the intern who went into the house he yeah was, the
2: intern he pushed um, into
1: the house he obviously did not want to be there
2: <laughs> yeah and also like the producer wasn't there because she wasn't inside when all this was happening mm. so like it it kind of makes me think like that little segment because it's doesn't feel like is it almost like s- something because one of the things i love about this film especially how they sort of promoted it is like they actually legit put the film on videotapes and just scattered around different places, kind of like what they did with the Blair Witch Project. Yes. And see and people would watch it and they would think oh, this is a real film. But I kind of think with that little segment, it kind of makes me wonder though, is it like some random video that someone did tape? Because obviously it is taped off the TV Mm -hmm. but was that um, little segment kind of taped? Because remember, video cameras back in the 80s, they actually used VHS to record so they didn't have the little small ones or anything like that so it makes me wonder though like did was that VHS owned by the anti-Halloween people
1: that's what I was sort of thinking because you do see that segment of clearly what happened to these people which Mm. clearly when you watch the next news footage um they don't know what they said we still haven't found them yet we have no idea what happened to these people they're still missing
2: Mm. yeah and the last bit when you find that little bit that almost seems like they tape that almost as if that they want to hear more of the follow. What are, what is, what are people saying about this event?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's kind of like that, um, serial, serial killer, um, mentality of taking the trophy. Yes. Mm. We're taking the original video that they were filming with, because we've Mm. got the intern, we've got the main cameraman and we've got, um, Frank, and then we'll just take this little thing of them sort of going, Oh, what do you think of Halloween now, Frank, or whatever the, thing is and it is this really sort of fascinating um way of yeah it's sort of like okay so who's watching this i mean i know i'm watching it but there's someone else watching it as well which is i think they don't do enough in found footage because found footage is like the halloween uh, the halloween the blair witch project here's mm. a tape of something that happened you make your own mind up yep. um but this is actually oh no someone's actually else's watch because you can see them fast forwarding yeah um through segments so things that they find kind of they don't want to watch or they don't think is important yeah and then that little bit is at the end with frank kind of getting the tape off and him asking why they're there and they're just basically saying because we don't like halloween or whatever i can't remember exactly what they say they're taunting him and then You get the next one i'm like that's when i'm suddenly thinking all right who's actually watched someone else is watching this but except i'm not the only one watching this right now so it's it's kind of another creepy element to add on there
2: yeah like somebody's also watching it at the same time and it makes you wonder are the perpetrators also watching it or but i have a feeling it's somebody who may have stumbled on the tape yeah and like maybe that was owned by uh the perpetrators and they're just watching it hence why during certain bits they do fast forward mm. and i love the fact that um during one of the fast forward bits there was like a the they're talk- in the news segment they're talking to a uh, a police officer about halloween safety
1: yes yeah you're right yeah
2: and the very obviously like uh, this guy's like raving on my crap let's just fast forward <laughs> through this one segment so it's very obviously like somebody who's just watching it like going through the ads and all that and also kind of like the poster for this film is interesting too because it's a kid watching the tape. so it makes me wonder it's like i wonder if that's also an added element where it's like maybe some random kid found this tape watching it on halloween night and then discovers like all, all this stuff that's on the tape and maybe he, the, peep, the the reason that footage is on there is because he knows the perpetrators or something like that or maybe it was taped from somewhere else like there's a lot of interesting kind of questions that this film asks at the end of it
1: it really does because you don't know yeah there's so many questions about it that I think is really really fascinating because a lot of um, found footage movies are very cut and dry in terms of here's a tape that was found you watch it now you see what their last moments were like, which is a typical kind of way of doing, it. I mean, there are some I like, 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 like Mungo, which kind of completely breaks that format and does something really, really interesting with it. Mm. That's the usual kind of, cause everyone copied Blair Witch after Blair Witch, but this one, yeah, there's something about it that feels very unsettling because of that element of who's fast forwarding what and why. Yeah. Um, and the, and the places they're choosing to fast forward, whether they think mm. the cop rambling on is boring, whether they've seen the ad with the furniture, um, so it's kind of this, and it makes me think that it'd be interesting to find that they must've planned this out before they were even shot at Okay, we're going to have these moments of fast forwarding. Mm. Um, and it kind of shows how intricate this movie is i mean you have to get the ads time right yes i was getting a bit annoyed until i realized hang a moment i think they're trying to tell me something there's something to these ads
2: yeah i think um when you kind of watch the film yeah. and know exactly where it goes in the end and when you go back and rewatch it mm-hmm. i think all the clues of like where this film is going to in the end are within the ads that yeah. they're showing
0: yeah
1: it's all about the sort of community and sin versus um purity a lot mm-hmm. of the time like that ad about do you know what k- games your kids are playing um and they're playing spin the bottle <laughs> and it's all these like 20 year olds pretending to be 14. um i didn't
2: remember that either. yeah again doing like some of the scare ads that were on at the time
1: yeah exactly i again i remember a big one of like you know make sure you know who kids are talking to on the street and also um kind of Actually, no, New Zealand had no anti-alcohol ads because that's all New Zealanders do is drink. So
0: <laughs>
2: it's, like, it's similar
1: with Australia, I'd assume. It's like they try and do anti-alcohol ones. They're just like, nah, mate. <laughs> uh, it's, um, just,
2: it's, just really, it's just a really fun movie. And I think it is a perfect film to watch on Halloween because, again, it has that kind of nostalgic feel where you're like... I mean even growing up as a kid like what I used to kind of tape a lot of Halloween shows and episodes and stuff like that so and I mean when I used to tape things late at night like where I'm in bed I would set my tape timer to tape something at like two, three o'clock in the morning. And of course they would have the ads and all that still in. And, and watching this film kind of brings back all those type of memories for me.
1: It does. Everyone who was alive in the eighties and early nineties or even late nineties, cause we still had VCR for ages. You used to put the timer on, you had to go out with whatever event, or you put the timer on if you had to go to bed for whatever thing you wanted to watch, you'd get up and you'd have the ads. Now I was always a fast forwarder through the ads because I'd already seen these ads a million times. I didn't need to go back. And, and visit them but yeah that was kind of a thing that you did it and it kind of brings back that feeling of oh this is something i watched and you get all the ads and yeah no it, it's got it's got a very nostalgic thing even if i didn't have that thing for the halloween kind of special as a kid mm. i still remember taping everything else off the tv
2: <laughs> yeah exactly it it's just a really it it very much embraces halloween and i love the fact that you know like when i watch something like this like that goes all out in uh halloween and it also kind of shows like somewhere in america like halloween is such a huge deal yeah like not only you know news broadcasters will dress up as you know characters and stuff like that but the ads themselves will always have a halloween feel to them
1: no it shows kind of why people celebrate halloween even though you have this force that is trying to stop it, they're going out of their way because they purposely, you can tell they're maybe the people that are putting on the, do you know what your children are playing? Let's have all the children's thing kind of mixed in with all the Halloween stuff. Mm. Um, but you can kind of tell why people, why Halloween so important to them because it's kind of the release of having fun with the spooky, having fun with what scares you. It is mm. it is about um, kind of the joy of it all of... People go to, I mean, I know in America, people go to haunted haunts all the time. Something yep. I couldn't do. If people were jumping out at me and touching me, I'd be like, mm, no. Mm-mm. So I don't know if I'd <laughs> want to go to one of those things. I haven't. I don't know. I've been to an escape room in Australia, and I have, but it is, and even that, I was like, I'm not that having that much fun. <laughs> You're telling me I have to figure out a clue to get out of here? Nah, what? Um, but it is but it kind of captures that fun of that spookiness of that why you celebrate halloween to begin with and i think it really does capture that even if if frank is being the biggest dick on the planet and doesn't believe in any of it there's still those people out there are all dressed up and having fun um so yeah
2: yeah for sure and i also love the fact that again it's one of my favorite tropes in any horror film when you have a character who is kind of disbelieving or is very dismissive of any kind of supernatural or very horrific things are happening. But then uh, during the course of the story, they start to believe in all this stuff. And that's always kind of like always a fun thing to do. And, uh, and especially with the character of Frank and like how much of a dick he is in the first half until he realizes like, Oh no, shit is really going down at the moment. Like this could not, this may actually be real what's happening.
1: Yeah. Especially when he's locked in the basement, that's when it the fear really becomes palatable like you can really kind of see him go oh no things are really going to crap now i can't get out and the says, get out of there it's like i can't
2: <laughs> but even then like the film like even though it is a comedy like it does have moments where you do feel like the the horror does creep in like it, it's because yeah. again it goes for that authentic feel mm. And like something like Ghost Watch or uh, the Blair Witch Project, since it's shot in a very real way, you can't help but feel that sort of the terror, what's going on screen. Mm. And even though, yes, WNUF has a lot of jokes sprinkled throughout all these scenes, but the way how it's sort of presented, like you are almost a little bit on edge at the same time, though, because, again, you're not sure exactly where this story is going to go
1: yeah exactly and because um the actual threat is kind of just woven into the background you do easily forget about them because they're just part of the insanity or kind of the messiness that's happening in the ads and in all the different segments you don't think that they're the ones who's going to come back and go and kill everyone
2: oh yeah for sure and when and again like even though i'd seen this movie before i was I completely forgot about that twist ending honestly for a while there during this film because they always were talking about you know the murder that happened in the house which is obviously inspired by the DeFeo murders in amityville yes like i honestly thought i was like trying to remember what happened at the end while watching it and i'm thinking to myself oh was it that this i know they got murdered in the air like frank and all them Mm. was it the son of the people of the of the couple who got murdered and he like mm. broke out but then they say oh yeah he got executed i'm like oh well there goes that theory out yeah because i know somebody got murdered but i keep forgetting who did the murder.
1: <laughs> which is a sign of a good movie because yeah i think this is a lot clever than you think a because it's all very grainy and it's very hard to see things yeah which again takes me back to my childhood and then i realize oh i i have things on 4k now and i can see i mean this movie i don't know how good it would be perfect like if you're watching it in hd i like the graininess of it i like the fact you can't see people's eyes
2: Um, oh yeah like uh, the fact that i have a blu-ray of this movie is kind of wild to me (laughs) like see a movie like this which is very grainy goes for that vhs aesthetic like and not just the aesthetic but the fact that it's like been watched so many times that it's starting to kind of fade and kind of wear itself a little bit it's what it's weird just watching a film that's presented like that on 1080p blu-ray
1: <laughs> it's like hang on it should be crisp what's what's go- oh wait that yeah it does take you a minute to go oh okay this is what it's meant to be like it's like the first time i saw 28 days i thought um uh the uh thing i was streaming it on was broken My something was wrong with my tv because i'm like why does this look like shit? oh no wait because it's filmed in like 16 millimeter or something to look like 16 millimeter it's not meant to be um this beautiful crisp kind of thing danny boyd was doing a thing And sometimes you do have to get your head around the fact of like, yeah, we used to watch things like that with that grainy. That was Mm. just normal. Um and it is but it kind of adds to the whole atmosphere. It really does. It really adds to the whole atmosphere of the movie.
2: Oh yeah, and then kind of watching a lot of films, like as much as I love seeing like all the films I have in on Blu-ray or on 4K, especially older horror films and stuff like that. But there is a very nostalgic feel when you kind of watch something that looks like it was taped off a TV or it's from a be- beaten VHS. The kind of that sort of visual quality it does take me back a little bit, and and it's always just fun to see.
1: No, I still I still think Blood Rage actually looks better when it's a little grainy, not absolutely perfect like my Arrow Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a clear. They should
2: have like a. Every Blu-ray should come with a function that you can watch the film in a very grainy look. <laughs> yes, I would
1: go... If this was grainy, I think this would be a masterpiece because it, at the moment, it's too crisp and too clean for what is happening in this movie.
2: Exactly. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, again, it goes back to the 80s nostalgia and I'm not often nostalgic for the 80s because I was still... I mean, yeah, I was born very in the early 80s but I mm. was a kid for most of it. My cultural touch points are Garbage Pail Kids and... Um, and eighty soap operas and um, Barbie dolls and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles—they were kind of t- whatever I toys I was playing with. They're not this kind of broadcast, that kind of thing. That happens more in mm. the nineties for me when I'm much more older and can then yeah. just explore the world a little bit more. So actually, getting into subject for the, this kind of the eighties, I was like a little bit surprised for. So I think it, the movie does a very good job in that.
2: Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean it. I mean, I was i was born in the 80s as well but i kind of just grew through the 90s but even then i saw saw similar things like you know, how the broadcast and also the ads and everything like that, even in the 90s compared to, like, the 80s, like, in how it's presented. But, no, nah, it's just a really kind of just nostalgic feeling for me to watch in the show. And I'm kind of a person who's kind of slightly burned out by 80s nostalgia <laughs> at the too. moment. Mm. Not just, like, I mean, I love 80s stuff, don't get me wrong, but just more of that 80s aesthetic of everything. Yes. Like, most of the time I feel like it does get a little too much because, like, if you, if you were actually living in the 80s like all the references and like people's items around houses wouldn't be as overt as they would, would be in a I, lot of uh films yeah it's like when
1: stranger things had like in the first season had a poster of the thing and i'm like going that movie bombed so hard you would not have a poster of the thing in your in your bedroom right now you would have something else so i think yeah. a lot of the eighties nostalgia is about, um,
2: the aesthetic, for the the aesthetic
1: and what we have taken from the eighties, not what people were in the eighties were taking from the time that they were living in. Mm. And I think this is a movie that looks at what actually was, people were taking in from the eighties. Like everyone's got those real pedophile. What is what those gods at the coming back? It's annoying me. Those large, r- those wide rim glasses that look like I call them Coronation street glasses or pedophile glasses. Um, yes. the, everyone's wearing those. Um, Everyone is um, wearing god-awful jerseys. Everyone's... Yeah, it, it it doesn't feel stylish 80s. It feels actual 80s. <laughs> mm.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, But I think in a film like this, it does work because, like, yeah, I mean, the aesthetic of it visually is very much 80s, mm. but everything else that happens in the film, like the costumes and the sets and stuff like that, they do feel... Appropriate, like they don't feel overtly 80s in of themselves. Yes, it's just more the aesthetic that's more uh homaging the 80s. that That's
1: it, that's what I was trying to say. Like, it's not trying to, it's not a hey, look at the 80s, we're so cool. And yes, a lot of great movies, so many great movies came out of the 80s. Um, but yeah, this feels the 80s because of the aesthetic and the fact that if you're watching a VHS, you watched thousands and thousands of times, it's gonna look that grainy. Like, how the eyes kind of look they kind of, the pupils kind of look like they're sinking down on the cheek sometimes. Mm. It's yes. a really cool effect. And that's just what happens when you just get a really grainy, breaking, breaking apart video.
2: <laughs> yes. Although I have to say at the end of the day, uh, I really need that sarcophagus movie to happen. Um, <laughs> yes. believe, and it's funny though, because like I forgot that ad was in the movie. And I think like literally a few days before, I think I tweeted this out, at least at the time mm. when I was about to rewatch this film and prep for this show is like, ah, oh, I wish we had some very... I'd love to see serious, scary, bummy movies.
1: We don't get those, yeah.
2: Yeah, because, like, I mean, we get a lot of other genre films like vampires or werewolves and, you know, aliens and stuff like that, but it's very... We haven't had, like, a good, scary mummy movie in ages not the not that i'm talking down like you know the brendan fraser mummy movies and stuff like that oh no, because
1: those, those are awesome <laughs> those,
2: those films are awesome and i really much enjoy them but a lot of the mummy movies these days kind of go for that again like the action kind of adventure feel but an actual serious kind of horror mummy movie
1: like the segment in um tales of the is it tales of the dark is, yeah oh. tales
2: of the dark side yes that's what Tales I was of the, the dark thinking.
1: side that that mummy segment is amazing um yeah. and we should have more of those
2: <laughs> yeah and i'm just watching that sarcoph- sarcophagus ad and i'm thinking like that would be kind of a really cool being the sea
1: okay we'll get this done we're going to get we're going to make kiss into a movie (laughs) let's make it happen (laughs) um anything else you want to say about uh the Halloween special before um
2: I would definitely say like if people are looking for some added viewing for their uh Mm. 31 days of horror or just something to watch specifically on Halloween night definitely throw the WNUF Halloween special on the list because again it's a film that's all about Halloween it shows its a love for halloween. Oh yeah. It's very funny, it's very satirical and it's also got some genuinely creepy moments in it as well and it's just good halloween viewing for anyone who uh wants to check wants you know more halloween stuff because I always on my last day of 31 days of horror I always make sure the films I watch are least centered around halloween because mm. it just adds more to the day and uh and if people kind of like to do that as well, definitely do that with and add this film to your list.
1: This movie actually really surprised me um, of what it how it did, how it treated it, how it treated the story, and where it went, um, which I was not expecting from this. I think I was expecting more um, of, uh, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't this movie. So uh, thank you so much for suggesting, just, uh, suggesting this. This is gonna be, an, this was an absolute blast. Um, we're going to be doing this very soon again, actually in early November. I think I've got a section day for that for you and Marcy coming back from an alien double, which I am very looking
2: forward to. And, uh, and I, the only thing I can say about that double, because we won't reveal what the mm. films are yet, uh, people are not going to expect what the double is in terms of the t- films we've chosen and the common link we have between the two films as well.
1: I, really know, I only know one of the common links. I haven't actually seen any of these movies. I own the discs now. <laughs> yes be kindly reminded me during one of the dv blu-ray sales to go you make sure you pick up this i'm like oh yes okay i have it now
2: like yeah <laughs> they deal with uh aliens they deal with a certain actor but they're completely the opposite spectrum and how they approach aliens in their story
1: yeah i'm so looking forward to it um uh, before we go please tell people where they can find your good work
2: Alrighty, if people want to find all the podcasts i co-host on the mm. super network with super marcy uh, they can find uh the super podcast for, uh, <laughs> podcasters of horror the to be tuesdays podcast and as well as the king zone and the oz boy cast over at supermarcy.com but you can find that all of our shows on all podcast streaming services every, everywhere like uh, apple Podcasts, spotify and all the rest so they're, they're all easy to find and they even have their own little feeds as well um, and also you can find all my personal writing and other works over at supermassy.com as well. And you can also find me at Twitter at twitter.com B That's B E D E J E R M Y N. And also, you can follow the pers- my, the official Twitter account for my upcoming show, Bede versus the Living Dead, at Bede vs TLD on Twitter. And uh, the first episode of that will be launching on October 30th. So, stay tuned for that and yeah that's pretty much it
1: no i'm really looking forward to the first episode of bead versus the living dead this is going to be a fascinating project yeah. um yeah thank you again so much for coming this was actually sorry i bitched a lot about resurrection um yes. i do think that's definitely doing a thing i just wanted you i wanted to i just want you to do more resurrection be better um yeah, but no exactly. this is it's always a great time hanging out and i cannot wait to hang out again
2: oh yeah for sure i look forward to uh coming back on the next episode on a, on the future episode yes. that we've talked about and because i know we're going to have a lot to talk about with those two movies oh
1: i, I think we are we think we're def- definitely going to have a lot to talk about um yeah asks. Uh, yeah we are, oh my no we've got the yep next time we've got rob zombie coming up i recorded that a long time ago so i keep forgetting that that's coming up um so next episode is going to be the rob zombie halloween 2 and then we're going to be finishing off with hopefully if everything comes together there will be the David we got a green halloween party um but yeah you can follow shlockanaw all one on instagram and twitter and me at reading geek just on twitter we're on all the pods uh thank you so much for listening this series has been really really fun um halloween has opened up in so many interesting ways that i never thought it would and yeah we we will be back with rob zombie all right thanks guys bye
2: bye <laughs>